0: I'm Paul Moffat, I'm Jan Moffat, and this is Clockworks, a Legion podcast. This week we're doing our third bonus episode about Fargo. We'll be talking about the third season, and the question I think on everyone's minds about this season is, Argyll Fargo? Or Pooper <laughs> Argo? No. <laughs> I don't even know what that what that is. <laughs> it's a Simpsons reference. Right,
1: it's a Simpsons reference. <laughs> that was your worst one. Right. <laughs> Well, you gotta try. (laughs) You gotta try. Which is the theme of Fargo. Fargo season three, like, I almost didn't want to do this season because it's super gross. And we'll get into that a little bit when we
0: get into it. We sure will.
1: There's a lot of, it's a lot more gross. And I didn't like it as much as the other two seasons. But after watching the whole thing and thinking about all the themes, I like it better than I thought I would. Mm Mm-hmm. But I gotta say, of the three, it's my least favourite.
0: I think that's fair, though there's a lot to think about and talk about in this season. Yeah. Before we get straight into it, I just want to call out a connection to Legion, which is actor Hamish Linklater, who plays Clark the Interrogator on Legion, shows up here in this last half of the season. Mm-hmm. As a recurring guest character, the IRS investigator. It was so nice to see him. I was really happy yeah, to see
1: him. he's fantastic in this and was fantastic in Legion as well. And he wasn't burned. He wasn't burned. So it was like, you know, wasn't method acting. They just had makeup done by Masters Effects, Mas- our best friend.
0: Friend of the show, <laughs> Masters of X. So do you want to go right into it and start taking right, us through the episode summary? Let's get into this. Episode one is called The Law of
1: Vacant Places. We meet Ray and Emmett Stussy, who are fighting over money. Ray sends one of his parolees to rob Emmett, but instead he gets the wrong address and kills Ennis Stussy, stepfather of police officer Gloria Burkle. Ray and his girlfriend Nikki then kill the parolee with an air conditioner. (laughs) Meanwhile, Emmett attempts to repay a loan, only to find out he is now business partners with a shady organization.
0: So I'm going to talk about the titles of the episodes again. All of the titles in this season, or almost all of them, make some kind of reference to probability. Mm. So I'm going to, I think we should be paying attention to probability and chance and coincidence throughout Mm. the whole season. I think we would anyway, but the titles draw our attention to that. This episode, has the title The Law of Vacant Places. The Law of Vacant Places is a principle in bridge. Mm. Which, of course... Which Ray and uh, Nikki play. In a nutshell, The Law of Vacant Places means that you can figure out the probability of a card being in somebody's hand by knowing what cards you already know. So you... The places that you know are not vacant. And you know that the unknown cards are in one of the vacant places. Who or what... Is vacant in this episode.
1: Well, they run a parking lot.
0: Yeah. So, so there's
1: we're... a lot of vacant spaces
0: Yeah. in this whole That's pretty good. So. It's a pun on vacant space in a parking lot.
1: And I mean the bridge thing is a reference to Ray and Nikki playing bridge and in it like. Yeah. It's unexpected their bridge
0: yeah. thing. We'll get to that, mm-hmm. I think. But I mean, or we could say it right now. Why do they play bridge of all things? Yeah, is, is that a character note?
1: They roll into their tournament like they're high rollers going to Vegas. When like everyone else who's there is like got their geriatric curtain cushions in there, they are trying to be something they're not. But they're also like they have a hobby, and that's what drew them together. It seems like, and they yeah. have, and it shows their connection with each other.
0: It does. I really feel like Bridge of all things is evidence that, like we have reason as characters do later on in the season, we have reason to doubt why whether Nikki is sincere in her love of Ray because he's a balding, mulleted schlub who just happens to be her parole officer. Yep, and I think Bridge is a sign to us that their relationship is sincere. Yeah, because because it's so hokey. Yeah, and she's really sincere about loving Bridge and lo- and wanting to do Bridge with him. Yeah, and it's a absolutely. metaphor for like a bridge connecting them. Mm-hmm. Back to the law of vacant places. Right. I wonder, like, if I play on the word "vacant," there's a sense in which Gloria is vacant in some way, as in electronic eyes don't see her, things right. don't react yeah. to her. There's some sense she's a vacant place. There's a sense in which Ray is a vacant place in the sense that he is needs something to fill the vacant place within hmm. him, specifically the stamp. Yeah. But more generally, money and success and raise, and Emmett's life. hmm Or there's a sense in which Varga is a vacant place in the sense of an unknown. He's just this thing that they don't know any. He has no yeah. backstory. He has no context. His narwhal, the company, just like... They have no ability to understand it. It's a vacant place in that sense. Yeah. Or to take the title reference a little more robustly, what do we in this episode not see but can deduce based on what we do see? You know, that's the principle of vacant places is mm. you see other things and you can use that to deduce what you don't see. Yeah. And I think, again, Varga is who we know nothing about but we yeah. can figure a lot about based on what we don't know.
1: And there's a lot of backstory before this season starts. There's backstory for Emmett and Ray that we're having to fill in. There's backstory with Gloria and her stepfather that we have to fill in. And what kind of a man her stepfather is, Mm -hmm. is clear. Yeah. Except, so you're having to mentally fill in all those blanks of like, he's bigoted, he's a drunk, he's... Stuck in the past, his house is very cluttered. He's very, you know, you have to fill in all that negative stuff, all that negative space about him. Hmm. Yeah. And for a lot of yeah, a lot of characters,
0: and even like Gloria's has her son Nathan, but his father isn't there, and like
1: you get reference, you get reference, you get reference to, to is me. his
0: boyfriend, my stepfather. Yeah, and like it's all vacant in. That they're vague and slight references to it, but we don't get any details. But we can figure out this is recent. Yeah. Based on the fact that Nathan doesn't know where he stands and what's going on. Mm-hmm. And how he should refer to his father's boyfriend and neither does Gloria. So this is new.
1: hmm
0: Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I have a question moving on from the title. hmm This opening. The episode begins with Jacob Unterm I didn't write his last name down. Oh, yes. Jacob exactly. German last name in an east berlin 1988 police station mm-hmm. where he is accused of murdering someone that he didn't because he isn't the person who's being accused like yeah. he isn't even accused yeah. someone else is accused and he's accused of being that someone else yeah and it's patently untrue he's not the right age he's not the right like yeah everything about him is clearly untrue yeah untrue. But it's true anyway. Mm -hmm. What does this opening have to do with the episode or the show? Or like, why do we see this opening?
1: Well, the first time we watched this entire season, I I kept waiting for it to come back to that. And then it didn't. And I never understood why. Mm -hmm. Watching it again, you realize that the character that they're accusing is named Yuri Mm Gurka. And that is the henchman that comes later. Yeah, And so that's significant in that he clearly was the murderer and then came to America with Varga and yada yada. But uh, what I found really interesting about that beginning part was it's all about story, mm-hmm. which is what this whole season is about. And it trails off from him and goes behind them both to a painting on the wall or like a photograph on the wall of the German police station that we could then go into the photograph and it's Fargo, it's Minnesota, it's our usual place. And so I felt like it was saying that this could all be in this guy's head. He could just be like sitting there and imagining what happened and or something that happened. He imagined a story he for the story. Is. Exactly. Or he imagined, or like it's a sign to us watching that, This is not real. We're going through the picture, despite the fact that it says this is a true story, as we've talked about in previous episodes. It's not true, strictly. It's not factual stories from our world. And so going through the painting like that is is the very first sign we get that, hey, guys, it's a show.
0: And what we see throughout the rest of the show is within a frame, right? Yes. Like literally it's a frame. Mm-hmm. This is a frame narrative and it literally provides the frame for the rest of the story. We're entering into clearly a fiction. And there's some things about the, I totally agree with you hundred mm-hmm. percent. There's some things about the dialogue in that section that I want to draw attention to, mm-hmm. right? Like the police officer says, you're, you say that you're not Yuri Gurka, but the state says that you're Yuri Gurka. For you to be right the state would have to be wrong. Mm -hmm. Are you saying the state is wrong? Yep. No? No. Well, okay then. Um, He says, I think extremely telling for the themes of the rest of the season, he says, like, I have seen a body. Helga Albrecht is dead. Her body is blue and cold. I have seen it. Those are facts. Yeah. You... Telling me you have a wife who is alive, who you are, Jacob, you are from Germany. These are just words. Yeah. That's just a story. Mm-hmm. We are not here to tell stories. We are here to tell the truth. Yeah. And then the words frame up, this is a true story, but we just heard the dialogue. Yeah, say, exactly. We are not here to tell stories. We are here to tell the truth. Those are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. And what is being labeled as truth is not, not true. true. Yeah, what's it's being a lie. labeled as a story is what is true. Yeah, and so we are immediately casting. We begin the season casting this thing that we've already cast in doubt in the previous seasons, but more than ever before, we're casting the concept of this is a true story. We're not just wondering whether this is a true story. In this season, we're wondering whether anything is a true story. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, also, just point out that for the in, the interrogator, he, he says, your name is Yuri. And the guy says, no, my name is Jacob. And he says, the story is true. The names have been changed, but this yeah. is a true story. Like... The names have been changed, changed but, it's a, true st- but yeah. it's a true story. It's really that's what that means.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, yeah.
1: So a little bit about um, connections to other things. The whole thing with the stamp—it's the two-cent stamp—and that's yes. a connection back to the movie where uh, Marge Gunderson's husband. The whole movie is designing the three-cent stamp.
0: People don't much use the three-cent. Three
1: yep. Cent, yeah. Uh, Gloria is being taken off of being chief. She's being removed from being chief. So she's like the opposite Molly. Molly, at the end of her season, became chief. And this is someone who is is already chief, and she's being demoted. And Gloria is the opposite of Molly in a lot of ways. She doesn't have her relentless uh, optimism. She's just... I mean, not that Molly was super optimistic in the same way, but... She's pretty
0: optimistic. Yeah, she's, she's just pretty positive. She's
1: not yeah, she doesn't have the positivity she she's Gloria is a very different cop than what we've seen from like the Salversons for
0: example. Though she has in common with Molly two major things which is competence. Yeah. And the Cassandra curse. Yeah. No one believes, no one believes anything her. she says. Yeah. And she has the same dynamic where her superior, for different reasons, with a whole different relationship (laughs) between them, but she finds herself in the same position where she knows the truth, and her superiors don't believe her, and Mm -hmm. she reacts to it differently. Molly is so, like, bright-eyed, and she's, I don't think, naive. No. But she's positive and optimistic and just keeps being like, well, you'll believe me this time because I've got more facts.
1: Because Molly is on her way up. Yeah. Molly is going from a deputy and she's working her way up to chief and she is on this upward trajectory, whereas Gloria has been beat down by taking being taken down from being chief. And so then this more, this pushes her down more and she rises strong in the end. But
0: (laughs) I feel like she's very opposite to Molly. I want to point out uh, when Varga shows up, he says that his company that he works for is Narwhal. A narwhal is a unicorn.
1: It's a whale with a horn.
0: I know. like A, a narwhal is a whale with a horn. It's, it's a real creature. The, the myth of the unicorn, some people think, who knows, but one of the theories for where unicorn stories come from is people found narwhal teeth washed up, and it's a single big horn. Mm-hmm. And it looks just like a unicorn horn. Yeah. So why a narwhal, rather than anything else, is because a narwhal is something that isn't what you think it is, mm-hmm. that is a uh, myth. Yeah. It's So we're getting hints. I mean, if we didn't already know, which we do, because he's shady as <laughs> um, We get hints based on the fact that it's Narwhal, that his company doesn't exist or doesn't exist in the way that it seems to or isn't Mm -hmm. entirely on the up and up. Yeah. I want to draw attention to, uh, there's a few other things. Mm -hmm. I would like to pay attention every episode to. Mm -hmm. um, Doesn't come up in every episode, but when it does, I'm going to draw attention to Gloria uh, ends the season to jump ahead saying that she feels like she's invisible or not real. Mm -hmm. So how does that manifest in this episode? And it's the first time that an automatic door doesn't see Gloria. Mm -hmm. She walks up and the door doesn't open. She waves in front of it and it doesn't open. Mm -hmm. And the way she reacts to it makes me think that maybe this is new.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I don't feel like that's true.
0: Okay. I can, I don't know.
1: I feel like her irritation is like, oh, this again.
0: Yeah. So automatic doors don't see, Gloria. don't see Gloria. She's This is connected what you were saying that she's in the downward, she's beaten down, she's mm-hmm. feeling dejected and ground down. She's trying to stay, you know, she's not really trying to stay positive, but she's trying to keep moving forward. Mhm. And it's like nothing she does has any effect on the world. Yeah. I want to notice in every episode, Russia. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: There's this strange Russian connection. I'm not sure what to make of it. Yeah. But in this episode, it begins with East Berlin is not Russia, but it's the side of Berlin that's under Russian control. Yeah. So.
1: And Maurice is wearing a Russia is for lovers shirt. And
0: Maurice is wearing a Russia is for lovers shirt. So there's Russia coming up in this episode.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I want to notice, uh, this season is super bodily. Yes, it is. Which there's, makes it gross. There's bodies. Like, think about season two and how it was so existentialist. It mm-hmm. was about the soul and the existence of the soul. It never used those words, really. But it was about, like, yep. this season is not, is, like, bodies. Yep. And so, Very there's bodily, bodily fluids all over this season, yep. and we see that a lot in this first episode with all the pee. Yep. Ray keeps holding pee cups, and people are peeing in the cup, and it's splashing on his hand, and it's, like, gross. Yep. Um, and that, I think when we're done talking about every episode, we will come back around to why... To the bodies in this episode, mm-hmm. and we'll Absolutely. talk about them if we have something to say episode by episode. But yep. I'm just going to draw attention to them, and then finally, I have no idea what this means, but I'm going to draw attention to it every time again. Feet, feet are a thing in this season, mm-hmm. and we see uh, Jacob Unkalider. I did write down his name. I wrote it down here. Uh-huh. Jacob Jakob Unkalider's feet. In snowy slippers. like looks down, he's wearing slippers with snow on them instead of shoes. Mm. Um, Because he was taken out of his house suddenly. Yeah. Why? I mean, I think maybe this episode is too early to say anything, but we'll come back, I hope, to feet and what the deal is with all the feet in this season. Mm
1: -hmm. And Emmett tries to walk outside with his house shoes still on. That's this episode, I think, isn't it? Uh, is it? Sure it yes, is. you're right. It is. Yeah. I'd and uh, Ray kicks the air conditioner
0: out of the window with his bare foot. Right. We really focus on his bare foot. Yeah. So there's feet and footwear and the inappropriate footwear. I mean,
1: that has that's connected to the bodily thing, but it is there's very feet connected in this. Yeah. And I'm almost surprised that there isn't like someone who gets their foot cut off or something, but that doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We need to keep moving. I'm just going (laughs) to say, stories told.
0: Stories told in this episode, Emmett at the party tells a story about his first date with Stella, his his wife. Mm -hmm. She used to live in the same apartment that he lives in now. And I think that this is what's going to come up throughout the season, which is coincidence and chance and probability. Mm -hmm. And I think he even says, like, what are the chances? What are the chances? Um, And then one more little thing, connections to Legion. Emmett, in his house, home office... Has a disembodied hand on his desk. Really? It's not the same disembodied hand, but yes, he has a hand statue.
1: That's super weird.
0: I know, right? I'm, th- I'm beginning to like think this is like the set designer, the likes, set designer
1: likes that or something. It was, it was, oh, I don't weird. know if it's oh, the same. Weird. I didn't
0: check. If it's uh, Michael Wiley is the set designer of of Legion, I didn't check that if he's the set designer here. All right. Yeah. Okay.
1: Episode two, the principle of restricted choice. Gloria learns that her stepfather was a sci-fi writer and, and that his murderer stole a phone book page. Ray and Emmett make peace. When Nikki searches for the stamp, she leaves behind an angry, angry message and a tampon stealing information on a safety deposit box. Cy Feltz confronts Ray and damages his car and Varga takes over Emmett's business after throwing his lawyer off building. building.
0: The principle of restricted choice is another bridge principle. It says, basically, that if I play a card, say the King of Spades, the probability decreases that I have an, an equivalent card in my hand, say the Jack of Spades.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's more likely that one of the other two people has that equivalent card. Mm -hmm. That is, you know what you have. I play a card. I don't have the equivalent of it. Yeah. It's likely. Okay. Um, Now I'm not sure in terms of the principle of restricted choice. I want to say that much like the law of vacant places, I want to play with the word rather than the concept. I Mm -hmm. think that's where we're more interested in. Yeah, absolutely. Whose choices are getting restricted in this episode, the principle of restricted choice. Hmm. Where are there restricted choices in this episode?
1: Yeah, Ray is always talking about how Emmett like leaves him no choice mm-hmm. that he has to steal the stamp and things like that. His choices also become restricted when he feels like I did make peace with Ray, and then Nikki's like, um, yeah, you <laughs> didn't because I left him this message. <laughs> yes, you know,
0: Nikki is totally restricting Ray's choices, yeah. and then. There's also a degree to which Varga is restricting Emmett's choices. Yes. Like or Emmett feels like his choices are restricted. Mm-hmm. I would say he has more choices than he seems to mm-hmm. think he does. But I think I think you're right that Ray is really where that principle of restricted choice is playing out most mm-hmm. strongly Absolutely. in this episode.
1: Yeah. The line comes up in this episode about People don't leave their door, front doors unlocked, and Gloria says they do here. Yeah, this isn't the fifties, and you know it's once again. It's like when they were in the seventies; they were saying, "Oh, back then they used to do this." Oh, the, the, you know, every year they're saying, "Oh, they used to do this." And she's like, "Oh, yeah, they still do that."
0: Though maybe not. Though maybe Emmet, not since Emmett, since Ennis. Ennis
1: yeah, it was killed.
0: Yeah. Um. What do you make of? <laughs> What do you make of the fact that the Corvette, what's the symbolism of the Corvette and specifically the fact that it is in such bad shape? Like it putt-putts and it lets out black smoke and it's not in good condition at mm-hmm. all.
1: Well, it is an extension of Ray yeah, and his poverty and his, he got the car, not the stamps. Mm-hmm. And therefore he just gets a... Slowly worsening car. Yep.
0: Yeah. There's a. I think it makes in world sense that he doesn't have the money to keep the car uh, in good shape, but it also, like, symbolically, Emmett's stamp is framed in his office, mm-hmm. and Ray's car is a piece of junk now.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Right, so that and it's symbolic of his life, and it's also symbolic of his uh, relationship with Ray. Yeah. His relationship with Emmett, I mean. Mm-hmm. So, Russia, the convenience store guy thinks Maurice was Russian. Yeah. Possibly because he was wearing a Russia's for Lover shirt. Yep. Yeah. Although he doesn't know why he thinks that.
1: Yeah, I think, he, I think he just read the word Russia when he walked in. Yeah. And, and that came into his head that he must have been Russian, even though he
0: wasn't. Um Yuri says that he's a Cossack. Mm-hmm. And there's some I mean, Yuri is Ukrainian, not Russian. There's some real fuzziness throughout the season. Yeah. Of like, when I say Russia, I mean like really what I mean is the USSR. Yes. Um But he says Yuri says he's a Cossack. hmm Um and Varga says that Putin has done some great things with Russia. You've just got to know which poems to Greece mm-hmm. so Yuri and Varga both I mean Varga expresses admiration for Russia and for Putin specifically in this episode, yeah, and Yuri expresses admiration not only for Russia but for like the Cossacks murdering people. yeah, that was me,
1: yeah, exactly
0: um which brings me i'm gonna come in this order. Which means the story told, and one of the stories told is the lawyer whose name, Irv... Mm-hmm. I can't remember his last name. Me neither. Irv, uh, tells, like, oh, the old country, my my mother told, and grandmother told stories of the Cossacks in the snow and chasing the yeah. horses, and Yuri says, yeah, that was me. Yeah. And then throws him off a building. Him off a building. So the, the point of that story is that this ancient... This ancient violence continues to exist and manifest itself in the present, and Yuri doesn't just say, like, I'm descended from those people. He takes possession yeah, takes of and yeah. ownership of their deeds. Um, another story told, I, in the parole office, there's a First Nations guy sitting there, and the camera just, like, goes past him, and he's talking seemingly to no one. And says, and in time of great joy, they had meat and fowl and grain. And in time of sorrow, they ate tears. Hmm. It seems to be apropos of nothing. Yeah. I am not sure what to make of it.
1: I did not notice that. and.
0: But it's like when That's you're going into Ray's office, mm-hmm. he's just sitting there. and But they stay on, they focus on him. Yeah. Well, he says this hmm. and then they zoom, they move away from him. Hmm. So, I really am not sure what to make of it, but I thought I'd bring it up.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Gloria in this episode, her phone doesn't work. Yes. She says, like, does this happen for you? It's like being in a silent movie. Mm-hmm. And the automatic door still doesn't work. The automatic door at the library doesn't, doesn't work, work. And she for says her. to Donnie, like, I'm here, right? You can see you me. You see me? Yeah. He's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Is that a trick question? Yeah. <laughs> he says, yeah. And I mean, it's.
1: That's more of this bodily thing, or mm-hmm. things not working for her, connects to this very physical world that that this season takes place in.
0: We have bodily fluids, particularly in the tampon in the desk drawer.
1: Yeah, and she even mentions earlier in the episode, that, like, "Oh, I'm on my period." Right. You know, she's really explicit about it.
0: Yeah, and that, I mean that's uh, Chekhov's period. Yeah,
1: apparently. Um, <laughs>
0: And then outside Nikki's apartment, uh, there's the blood. Maurice's blood is still on the snow and yeah. on the ground and being washed up.
1: It's not just being washed up. It's being, like, swept up with a broom, like, poorly. And so, like, it's just kind of smearing everywhere in a way that we, like... We've seen lots of blood in this show before, but, like, to have it, like, very, you know, just kind of smeared around on the sidewalk, because that's how we're getting rid of it. It's just, like, the reality of... What this would be like is there has to be someone to clean it up.
0: And it's really like blood in this show has been, and will this season continue to be, symbolic. And we have these, frankly, visually beautiful images of red mm-hmm. on white. Yep. But here, the blood on the sidewalk being swept away is like, as you say, really visceral and... Yeah, visceral is the word. Bodily. <laughs> like it's reminding us that blood comes from bodies and bodies produce blood. hmm Um, And
1: someone has to deal with them.
0: And someone has to deal with them. We have Feet. Ray, when he goes to meet Emmett, is wearing mismatched shoes because people piss on his shoes.
2: shoes.
0: Why don't you just change both shoes? Well, it happens a lot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is funny, but also is like... Uh. Oh, goodness. And... We could talk about, I think, in all the same ways that we talked about the Corvette, like raise mismatched Shoes, mm-hmm. if shoes are about people's foundations, if shoes are about how people literally interact with the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's that uh, children's song that I think of, that like, these are my feet, they're the place where my body meets the street. Yep. Like, if your shoes and your feet are where your body interacts with the world, then... Uh, when the shoes are wrong, you're unprepared for being interacting with the world as you are. Yeah, but when absolutely. your shoes are mismatched, you don't have a steady, uh, even.
1: Yeah, even footing. consistent.
0: You know, he doesn't have even footing, mm-hmm. and like the relationship between Ray and Emmett, they're mm-hmm. not on even footing. Yeah, because Ray's feet are mismatched. Mm-hmm. And Yuri, we get a real shot of him walking through the snow with his white sneakers. Mm. So his shoes are white. Interesting. And I don't know yet what exactly that means in terms mm. of like shoes or how you interact with the Peter. Yeah. He's
1: cleaned off his.
0: Yeah, there's something about like he's not innocent. No. It is not white as innocent. No. So what is the why is it white? His because he's, his, innocent,
1: his uh his crimes have been covered up. Right. He later on, because later on he'll talk about how the snow covers the blood. He's wearing white, white shoes to cover. He will. maybe.
0: Um, there's a connection to season one in the fact that the police station is in a library. Yes. And Mr. Wrench thinks that every town should have a library. Mm-hmm. And there's a connection to season two when the convenience store guy says, Hey, remember the 70s? Yeah. People used to, <laughs> people used to steal the phone books. Remember the 70s? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, just what Psy does is, uh, what is consistent with Psy throughout this season is he's throwing money at a problem to make it go away. Yes. He tries to talk Ray into like, leave, you know, I'll take care, I'll take care of Ray. And how he's going to take care of Ray, he's going to give him some money and Ray's going to go away. Yeah. That's what Psy thinks is going to solve all their problems is just, you know, throw some money at it, it'll go away. Yeah. He thinks that with Varga, too, you know. Well, he gave us a loan. We just got to give him the money and he'll go away. And that never works out for him.
0: No, it never works out, like, ever. No, never. Yeah.
1: Episode three is called The Law of Non-Contradiction. Gloria travels to to L.A. to piece together her stepfather's history as a sci-fi writer. In flashback we see how he was conned and taken advantage of by vivian lord and howard zimmerman there is a series of animated retellings of ennis's book in the present gloria learns that ennis's killer has been identified but that he's already dead but under mysterious circumstances
0: (laughs) so the law of non-contradiction the title of the episode is one of the principles of classical logic it means that two mutually exclusive things can't both be true at the same time. So it seems so obvious it's hardly worth saying, but the law of non-contradiction, something can't be both up and down. Right. Um, what contradictory things in this episode? Like, where did, the, the first place my head goes is... Ray Wise in the bar tells that story about the the woman whose soldier sold husband goes off to war, and so she's married and not married. That violates the law of non-contradiction, but it happens anyway. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, like, that seems... That story itself seems like it's got to be commenting or relevant in some greater yeah. way than just, like, it's... On its surface, it seems to just be a story that he tells because, hey, divorce reminds me of this story. Mm-hmm. But what is that story and what is the idea of non-contradiction doing in this episode?
1: There's something weird about his, about, like, his name is Thaddeus Mosby and then he becomes Anastasi. And, and then, what, what was he all along?
0: Mm-hmm. And those two characters seem to be contradictory, mm-hmm. right? We can kind of see how Anastasi develops from Thaddeus Mobley, but we can also... Those seem like really contradictory people. Yeah. With different names and different interests and different personalities and... Even this show called Fargo is in Los Angeles this episode. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And this show set in 2010 is set in 1970-whatever this episode. Yeah. And there's, like, we're seeing things that don't mesh up with what we think Mm -hmm. we would know. And we get all this, like, is it connected to the idea of non-contradiction just that we get all this backstory, she's investigating this backstory that has nothing to do with anything. Mm -hmm. And she realizes that by the end of the episode. I don't know what whether I mean,
1: this entire episode is, like, very odd. Mm -hmm. Because when I look at the season as a whole, like, what does this episode have to do with anything? It just tells the backstory of Anastasi who was killed for no... Reason other than his name, which he changed, I suppose, to be Anastasi. Yeah. So that was his downfall. But it's just. And it just. Yeah, it really stands out as like this whole like flashback, this whole series of things. And unlike the flashbacks in any of the previous seasons, it has literally nothing to do with the main plot of Ray and Emmett. No. Except maybe in theme.
0: I think that that's part of the point, though. Glory even says it's just a story. Mm-hmm. None of this has anything to do with, and she trails off. Yeah, and, like she means my investigation, but she could easily say the plot of this television TV show series. I yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's like the what we want from fiction is all the stories have points, all the stories connect everything. You know gets wrapped up and what this season is giving us is stories that are just stories stories that aren't true stories that their truth is irrelevant mm-hmm. story, because it's about stories and truth even more than previous seasons have been mm-hmm. it's weird that the events took place in los angeles yeah absolutely. it's always the events took place in minnesota yeah and then the, the crawl at the beginning the events took place in los angeles and i was like what
1: yep exactly <laughs> It's very, um, I like the flashbacks that they're back to the 70s split, split screens. It's yeah. using the same devices as, the, as last season with the split screens. Uh, there's also, like, the whole 70s thing. Gloria is almost from the 70s. Like, she doesn't use a computer. She's not on Facebook. When her date is like, everyone's on Facebook. How are you not on Facebook? And she's like, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. And later on, it will save her, but is this and he's like, even
0: like Facebook. Why Facebook? Is it's like being in a small town. Yeah, and she's like, I live in a small town.
1: Yeah, I already do that, so it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah. Maybe we can hold this off until episode. Eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what is the deal with Ray Wise? I'm not ever going to call him by his character's name if he even has a name. It,
1: it's Paul something, so it's your name. A terrible name.
0: <laughs> I'm just going to call him Ray Wise throughout. Yeah. Just well, disclaimer. I
1: mean, yeah, I think we'll talk about it more when we get to the bowling alley scenes. But yeah, Ray Wise being on the plane is like, okay, this is just some random guy she ran into on the plane. And then she runs into him at the bar and you're like, oh, that's a weird coincidence. Coincidence again. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, when he shows up later, you're like, oh, he's not a human. Yeah. He's like. And I mean, I will always see Ray Wise as he was the devil on a show called Reaper that I really enjoyed and was cancelled too soon. And, and so I immediately was like, he's the devil. He's the devil. <laughs> but he's probably not the devil.
0: He's from Twin Peaks, too. He is from Twin and Peaks. And he's uh... a. He sometimes is a demon on Twin Peaks.
1: Yeah, he's evil somehow Ray, I mean, he's also I think he's uh, oh, he's um, Robin's father on How I Met Your Mother. Right. And he's not really good in that either.
0: He's like char- the reason that he makes such a good devil is he's super charming and yet threatening. Yeah, exactly. And even in this, yeah, he's like super charming, but there's something about him that you're mm-hmm. like he's kind of threatening at the same time. Yeah. And that's why, I mean uh, the her date sees him as a threat
1: yeah immediately yeah
0: and he's not yeah but he's perceived as a threat because ray wise as a as an actor uh exudes some kind of unspoken threat Mm -hmm. at the same time as being very very charming yeah in some ways
1: (laughs) what is the deal with the weird box she finds this weird box in
0: her room and why does she bring it home? She
1: bring, yeah, she brings it home. So it's like, it's this box with like a switch on it. So she switches it and then a hand come, pokes up and switches it off and goes back. It's, like, it's a novelty toy. Mm-hmm. It's a weird novelty toy. But then in the science fiction animation that happens with the little I can help robot, I can help. He, at the end of it, has a little switch on his head that he like reaches up and turns off yes. to turn himself off. And it's the same switch as that box. What's what's up with that?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's another disembodied hand. That's true. Disembodied body parts. Yeah, and like I fe- i just feel like I'm missing something with mm-hmm. that box. That because I wrote down just the question to like, why does she bring it home? Bring it home makes it seem important. Mm-hmm. Uh like it's important to her. Yeah. But I don't see why, though it's connected to the Minsky, the android. Speaking of Minsky, the android, though, two things, well, three things. One, it's one it's one of the major stories told in this episode. Mm-hmm. But I love it. I love yeah. it as a story. I love the animated portion as a portion of this episode. Yep. Um, I really like it. Me too. And then also, the dying alien... Mm -hmm. is voiced by Ewan McGregor. Mm. The narrator is voiced by Carrie Coon, possibly in character as Gloria, except she doesn't use her Minnesota accent. That's true. So it's not her... It's not Gloria narrating. It's not Mm. Gloria's internal monologue. It's a narrator of the story that's voiced by the same actor. I think you may be right. And then also, just I said... three things, and here I'm saying a fourth thing, but that whole story, like, later on in the season, she's going to talk about this story and say, like, he kept saying he could help, but he never did. Uh, But what the story itself tells us is observing is helping. Mm -hmm. He says, I can help, but all he does is just watch the whole time, and the text of the story, not the text of Fargo, but the text of Minsky the android tells us that by observing he helped. Yeah. He did help just by watching. Just
1: by watching. So much information is now in his head.
0: And is that like we the audience are observing? Is that like later on in the season, Gloria is the observer of this season? Hmm. She has seen everything happen. Yeah. And that itself, she doesn't have to do Anything with it for that observing to have been helpful? Hmm. And in this episode, we have, uh, <laughs> old Howard Zimmerman. Uh, do you know science? Yeah. Science! Do you know it? <laughs> anyway, um, he badly, uh, he has some dim grasp of quantum mechanics where particles are floating around in the world and they don't exist until they collide with each other and then we exist. Mm-hmm. In a better understanding of quantum mechanics, quantum particles quantum particles exist as waves of probability that don't collapse into actual particles until they're observed. Right. So it was all about observation. That's Schrodinger. Mm-hmm. So, again, observing is observing helping. Observing is helping. Observing is what makes things real in quantum hmm. mechanics, sort of.
1: Because I connected this story, the whole I can help thing, to the story in the first season that Gus gets told about, like, there's a guy who wants to help and he does all this stuff and does all this stuff and finally kills himself and donates his organs. And I feel like the little I can help robot reminds, like, is kind of a auditory reminder of that right. story. But also, he doesn't do any of those things, he just observes.
0: Mm hmm other stories told in this episode um, Ray Wise tells a story about the soldier who goes off and gives his wife a bill of divorce, mm. I said that already Old Zimmerman tells a story about science has this thing called quantum Right. we're all floating, then all of a sudden bam, we collide and suddenly we're alive we're real, and to the point of the story to him is I used to think it meant something, these connections mm. and now don't let the door hit you on your way out
2: Hmm.
0: So he's a lot like Anis. He's jaded and cynical yeah. and uh, no longer thinks that the world is meaningful. And it comes, again, in terms of ideas that go throughout this entire season, he's another person... We talked about this off mic. He's another person who the world isn't what he thinks it is.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I used to think the world was something, and now Now I think it's something different.
1: Well, and if we're talking about, like, coincidences throughout the season, Gloria checks into this hotel purposefully because this was where her father and her uh, stepfather stayed, but gets his exact room.
0: Yeah. That's a coincidence.
1: And... Uh, her makeup falls behind the toilet and she sees the exact same uh, Dennis, Stussy and Sons with the, with the D rubbed off. And so like, this is where he got his name and she's able to see where he was.
0: What are the chances?
1: What are the chances? Exactly.
0: We have the shoes behind the curtain in Gloria's room are another example yeah, of, of feet. feet that and that's how is. she finds the box with the weird light. So... Again, if we want to talk about shoes and their symbolic meaning, like
2: mm-hmm. what does it
0: mean if there's shoes that don't have anyone in them? Mm-hmm. If shoes are how, if shoes and feet are how you interact with the world, and I kind of like that as the meta- way to run with that metaphor.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, here absolutely. we
0: have an interaction with the world without a person in it. I don't know.
1: It's threatening at first because it looks like someone is behind the curtain. And so she, like, draws her gun, I think, and then goes, and it's nobody. hmm And so it's, you know, it's these, it's this, uh, it's an empty, it's empty shoes in an episode that doesn't fit mm-hmm. with the whole, with the whole, it's like, the, the whole episode is those shoes behind the curtain. Yes. Is you see it and you're like, oh, this is significant. There's something there. And she pulls back the curtain, and nope, it's it's just shoes and a weird box. And this whole episode is just shoes empty in empty, sho- empty shoes and a weird box. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bodily fluids. um Gloria's bad date talks about going to drop the kids off at the pool.
1: Oh, right? Yeah.
0: Uh, You've got kids. Oh, oh, she's so. That's oh. It's an it's interesting. So sad. Just a moment of like. I've said in the past two seasons that the good main characters weren't naive, but Gloria is kind of naive. She is kind of naive. That's not a mistake Molly would make. No. But Gloria kind of is naive. Mm-hmm. Um And then also, of course, Thaddeus is thrown up into the toilet when he changes yeah. his name, and we see all the throw-up. Again, but gross. Then... Like... And why do we see that? Because it's all about bodies being super bodily.
1: Yeah, exactly. We see every... We just... Yeah, we see everything.
0: We do. Um,
1: Whether we want to or not.
0: There's a Coen Brothers reference, I think, in that Thaddeus, the writer in the motel, is very Barton Fink. mm, Yeah,
1: I can see that. Episode four, The Narrow Escape Problem. Ray dresses up as Emmett to go to the bank, but finds only ashes in the safety deposit box. Ray is fired due to his relationship with Nikki. Varga arrives at Emmett's house to partner up without Cy present. Gloria meets Officer Winnie Lopez, and they begin to piece together all
0: these stussies. So the narrow escape problem is a problem in biology and uh, biochemistry. Mm Mm-hmm and biophysics um, the problem is a particle is bounded in a cell with reflective sides and one small opening mm-hmm. the narrow escape problem is use math to figure out how long it takes for that particle to get out
1: mm-hmm.
0: if you figure it out you have solved a narrow escape problem Okay. so who I mean so it's about probability mm-hmm. that's how you would do, that's the math you would use to solve that part of the math you would use to solve that but it's also about narrow escapes. Who in this episode is escaping or trying to? Or like, who gets an, Who has a narrow escape in this? Or it could be a narrow escape problem because they don't get a narrow escape. Like, Emmett and Sai are really trying to escape from Varga in this episode. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of the episode where, like, nope. No, yeah. They're not going to they're escape. They're not going to. They almost have a narrow escape, and then they don't. It's a narrow escape problem. Or, I don't know. Mm, Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure.
1: It's a lot of people getting away with things rather than escaping in this episode. Like, Ray gets away away with with going into the safe deposit box. And, I don't know. Doesn't get away with being with Nikki. No. This episode is the Peter and the Wolf episode. Yes, so, uh, shout out to, uh, Leanie on Twitter who, right before we recorded this, was like, Peter and the Wolf! And I was like, yeah, we'll definitely be talking about that in this episode. Peter and... Th- so the whole beginning is narrated by, uh, Billy Bob Thornton, a.k.a. Lorne Malvo. So it has, Emmett is the bird, played by the flute. Ray is the duck, played by the oboe. Nikki is the cat, played by the clarinet. Cy is grandfather, played by the bassoon. The henchmen are the hunter's shotguns, played by the kettle drums. Varga, of course, is the wolf. And Gloria is Peter,
2: mm-hmm. the
0: strings. I think
1: So why why do they do this this episode? <sighs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean the first place I go is just wolves again. Yep. Like wolves, 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 wolves. I have come to the conclusion that part of that is just that Noah Hawley really finds wolves compelling imagery. Mm-hmm. Wolves are big in Legion and in Fargo. Yeah. They're not that big in Legion, but they come up in Legion and they're really big in Fargo. Yeah. Um,
1: I don't know. I mean, I remember listening to Peter and the Wolf, this, like, the record with the with these on them but I don't remember exactly what all the characters are, and so, like, Peter and the wolf, the those two make sense to me, but the other, like, the bird and the duck and the cat, I don't know how those fit with those certain characters.
0: And and I don't know that they do fit particularly well with uh, Peter and the wolf. Hmm. I can really see Emmett, I like can really see where they fit if you're going to fit them, but mm-hmm. they fit with, like, Emmett's a bird and we're going to use a flute. Uh, he's not, I think, particularly the bird from Peter and the Wolf. Yeah. Because the bird from Peter and the Wolf is just a friend of Peter's who flutters around and then the wolf chases him. Yeah, The wolf in Peter and the Wolf chases and uh, I believe, maybe I'm wrong, I believe swallows the bird and the duck, and the cat runs away, and then maybe I'm wrong about swallows. Hmm. Anyway, the the wolf certainly chases the bird, the duck, and the cat. Mm -hmm. The cat chases the bird. Uh, The cat and the duck are not connected, really. Mm -hmm. But the cat chases the bird, and Peter makes them be friends, and Grandfather is always warning Peter not to go out into the meadow. So...
1: It does make sense. I guess I think it makes sense a little bit, the one-to-one, like, who is who. But mostly it's, this episode is a lot about, like, Ray dresses up as Emmett yes. in this episode. And so the distinction of this musical cue means yes. you know that this is Ray in Emmett's clothing. yeah, And especially because it's the same actor. Yeah. <laughs> it's Ewan McGregor. Being Ray, being Emmett, even though Ewan McGregor is also Emmett, and so he has to be a different.
0: And then they give us the oboe, so we know. Don't get confused. It's still Ray, and they use it really well. Like they also give us some French horns outside the door before Emmett opens the door, and so so we already know that Vargas at the door. Yeah, exactly. And it, I mean, some of the connections don't really make. Sense in the connection to Peter and the Wolf, like the the wolf hunts the bird, duck, and cat, but Varga isn't hunting them in the in this episode. Yeah. But it does make sense that uh, Nikki is the predator mm-hmm. of Emmett, Ray, and Nikki. Their yeah. little story. Nikki is the predator. Yeah, uh, and also. Varga is a alpha predator, mm-hmm. and Peter and Varg, Peter and the wolf, don't interact with each other at all in this episode. Yeah. Gloria and Varga don't interact, but Peter is the one, the hero. Yeah, and Peter and Peter and the wolf gets the hunters to solve to fight the wolf. Right, that doesn't happen. Hmm. Yeah, but I think still the. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling. Well,
1: and Sai, as the grandfather, I notice his musical, musical cue doesn't seem to come up very much, but he is, of course, he's the one who's warning Emmett against being against the wolf. He's warning against the wolf. He yeah. is not on board with Emmett signing anything. And I think in the next, you know, episode, it's like enemies are at the gate. They're in the gate, and you let them in. Like, you let the, that wolf in the door.
0: Right. I want to draw some attention in this to the casual misogyny in this episode. Which, like, we could talk about misogyny in the whole show at some point. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in this episode, there's uh, when Ray, as Emmett, goes to the bank... The bank person is like, oh, this bank teller she's new, but she, she's more in the nice to look at than oh, brains yeah. category. Go get him! Like, he's, you know, yeah. casually sexist. Mm-hmm. And then Ray's boss has been sec- has been oh, yeah, grossed throughout, gross. but like, especially years like, don't bang the cattle, he says. yeah, That's this swango steak you could fry bacon on. Like, he's... yeah. That is there, not just to make him an unlikable character, but there's a real, like... Yeah. We'll talk about it, I think, in greater depth, but it just really stuck out to me in this episode Mm -hmm. as being more pronounced than usual, and more pronounced in the mouths of characters who are not villainous. Mm.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? They're unsavory, but they're not villainous. Mm -hmm. Like, we've seen super misogyny out of Dodd, and we'll see it out of Varga... But, like, this seemed a little different yeah. for that. Um,
1: this time around, we have we meet Winnie, who's fantastic. I love her. She, uh, She's the non-pregnant cop. Yes. She's the trying-to-get-pregnant cop. I thought that was kind of a neat twist on, like, we've had pregnant cops before. This is the, yeah.
0: The cop who isn't pregnant. The cop pregnant. who doesn't get pregnant. I love her... Optimism, over sharing, and competence. Yep, exactly. <laughs> she's the, like, op- she's the Molly of this yes, season. Yes, I love her. And I like, actually, that we have a Molly character, but she's not the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. She still exists, that, like, optimistic, go-getter kind of character who's on her way up, mm-hmm. who's, like, sh- but she's not the protagonist, but she still exists. Yeah, I love, I really like Winnie Lopez a lot. Mm-hmm the bodily fluids in this episode are uh, the ashes isn't a fluid, but bodies. Yeah. And then Varga throwing up. Yep. This is the episode where we see Varga and is of the blemic. Varga
1: Par- Par- is yep.
0: And his gross teeth and his gross mouth and his throwing up.
1: Oof. Yep, that's gonna be a thing that I skipped the second time watching. <laughs> um, there's also uh, Winnie he, uh, has her period and needs right is asking for a tampon, and Gloria doesn't have one, so she, like, you know, she has, like, shows, like, her, like, coming down with all the toilet paper and then coming out and being, like, shifting around, and, like, man, as a woman, that's exactly what you have to do! And, like, man, it's so spot on. Like, all these bodily things are very true to life, and sometimes that makes them super gross, like, the throwing up.
0: Especially Varga.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, why is Varga bulimic? Why is that a thing?
0: It's about control, right? Yeah. Like, bulimia is about control.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, it also... So he's... I mean, I'm, binging symbolizes lack of control, and purging symbolizes regaining control, so he doesn't have control over his appetites. He's consuming, uh, but he tries to regain control over the world, and... By purging. hmm It also is symbolic of what he does with the company. Oh yeah. Like for he sure. takes it, eats it all up, then throws it at and throws, throws it up it again.
1: again. Yeah.
0: Um, and I think it also, connecting to the bodiliness of the whole season, like bodies are gross, man. Mm-hmm. And like the camera keeps zooming in on his chewing mouth and rotting teeth, and like because he's unappealing and they really place that in his body for good or for ill we could have a conversation about whether there's something problematic about making the morally bad person have a gross body Mm. yeah but I think symbolically in this season like things in this season reveal themselves in people's bodies I don't think that's a statement of the show of how the world works I think it's a statement of the show of how this season works
1: yeah Exactly. Um, Varga comes to Emmett's house and knows everything about the stamp. Yeah. And he knows, and he's, so he, we really get a sense for the first time in this episode of like, oh, he's spying and taking pictures, and he's the one who got Emmett fired. The pictures that they have... Who got Ray fired. Who got, sorry, he's the one who got Ray fired, uh, the pictures that they have at Ray's work of him and Nikki were delivered to them mysteriously, and it was totally his henchmen took those pictures yeah, and sent them to
0: absolutely his work. I want to. I, I mentioned the ashes, and I just want to don't not let that go by yeah. before I say so relieved that the ashes turned out to be a dog. Yeah, I
1: Can know. I just right? say that. Yep, okay. they weren't human human ashes. <laughs> yep. I have in all caps in my notes of this one is is smart female cops putting things together. It's like when Winnie and Gloria meet up and like they start connecting things and you're like, yes, smart, smart female cops
0: putting things together. I also really like, I'm going to say stories told in a sec, but I really like Ray to Gloria. Like they always find a way to screw you, don't they? And Gloria says, they try. Mm hmm. Love that! It's a As, like a character note for her. Yeah, she does not say no. They don't. Mm-hmm. She's not an optimist, but it shows like to some determination. They try. Yeah. Um, stories told in this episode. Yuri tells a story about when Putin was a boy. When Putin was a boy, he already knew he was going to be. I can't remember the acronym, but. A Russian equivalent of CIA. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he says, in Russia, there are two words for truth. Pravda is man's truth. Istina is God's truth. But there is also en pravda, untruth. And Putin knows this. The truth is whatever he says it is. There's some meta information about this section, which is that when Fargo was aired in Russia, which it was, it's Mm -hmm. quite popular, apparently, in Russia. Mm -hmm. When it was aired in Russia, it was censored. And the references to Putin here were taken out. So it was just, (laughs) he told the whole story, but it was made abstract. A boy grew up and knew and Pravda and Pravda and the truth is whatever he says it is. So we have, in the real world, exactly Literally this principle this. playing out, where the truth is whatever Putin says it is. And that, like, you couldn't... It makes super me wonder... Meta. It makes me wonder whether they told this story explicitly so that that would happen. Like, probably they didn't, but I wonder. Yeah. Because it's so, you couldn't make it more perfect yep. than like, yeah, he controls the truth... And the story about how he controls the truth has got to be censored so that it doesn't say that he controls the truth because are you going to say the state is wrong?
1: That's crazy. There's also, like, any statement on truth and story is a statement on the show as a whole. Yes. And that's another one of those statements.
0: The sheriff, uh, what's his name, tells a story to Gloria about how simple things are. Everything's simple and is the way it seems to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Varga tells Emmett a story that in Brazil there are children with Glocks. In look around, there are people there are boat people showing up. This is the age of mass migration. You're living in the age of the refugee when there's going to be pitchforks and torches at the door, yeah. and you live in a mansion. And he is telling him that story to frighten him into uh doing what he says. Yeah. But it's also
1: it's the same story that that Lorne Malvo told exactly. the supermarket king. Yep.
0: Yeah. Um, and Varga also says there are twenty-five chapters of the Old Testament that refer to feuds between brothers. Mm-hmm. Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau. Mm-hmm. Uh. And then he like he's connecting that to, to Ray and Emmett, and once again. The the references to the Old Testament is, season one, is Malvo also wants to connect things to Old Testament. Yeah. The Gloria invisible to the soap and water oh, machines yeah, yeah. in the bathroom.
1: Yeah, she can't get them to work at all. And then Winnie comes out and instantly just, like, gets them to work, like, easy-peasy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's a connection to season two in the way that the sheriff's conversation with Gloria about the chain of command... There were men in war who went didn't want to do what they were told and they all to a man came home in a body bag. Mm -hmm. And she says, Well, I'm already home, so I'm gonna go do it. I love it. Yeah. But it also is like just like the conversation that uh or it's the other side of the coin of the conversation that Hank has with the guy in... Nor- the North Dakota guy. Yeah. About, like, there's a chain of command, and in war you have to follow the order of the generals. Yeah. And Hank is smart enough to know, well, not always.
1: Mm-hmm. And, he's telling war- and he's telling war stories. This time it's Afghanistan stories. Yeah. So, like, the
0: war... More war stories. More war
1: stories continues.
0: And then another connection to season two is when Varga tells Emmett that he's not in the parking lot business anymore. He's in the billionaire business. That's just, like, what mob boss guy tells Mike Milligan at the end of season two mm. there's only one business left in the world the money, money business. business
1: right of course episode five is called the house of special purpose Ray and Nikki make a sex tape posing as Emmett but his wife gets it instead and leaves em- and leaves Emmett Varga threatens Sy. Gloria and Winnie team up to interrogate Ray but the chief puts a stop to it Sai tries to pay off Nikki to make her and Ray leave But Varga's henchmen, Yuri and Mimo, show up and beat Nicky in front of him.
0: So the House of Special Purpose is a euphemistic name for the house where Tsar Nicholas II and his family were executed after the Bolshevik Revolution.
1: More Russians.
0: More Russians. I don't see what that has to do with my theory that they're all about probability. (laughs) This one doesn't fit. But it does fit, like, this season is about Russia, Mm -hmm. somehow, for some reason. I don't really understand the title of this episode at all. I'm grasping completely at straws with, like, is this just a reference to Russian violence? Yuri beats up Nikki Mm -hmm. and talks to her about about Russian Russian violence. violence. So is that why the, the House of Special Purpose?
1: Is there any houses in this? That are a special purpose? I didn't notice that.
0: I didn't notice. I didn't notice any special purposes or any house of special purpose in this episode. Any place where you go to do bad deeds?
1: Unless a house of special purpose could also be a brothel.
0: Makes sense.
1: And there's a whole cheating wife thing, or Um, cheating husband thing in this. But even that, it isn't a brothel. I
0: don't know.
1: This episode starts with the, Oh Lord, It's Hard to Be Humble song. Yes.
0: Which, so, by the way, is like beating in my head ever since I watched
1: it. Yes, absolutely. We've had a long conversation about this off mic recently. And so why, who is the humble person? Or who is the person who finds it hard to be humble? I mean, the camera's showing us Emmett at that point.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that Emmett is about to be humbled. And his relationship sure is. his relationship with Ray is largely defined or can largely be defined if we choose to by him being entitled and uh, arrogant Mm -hmm. and taking... So he, uh, Emmett feels hard done by... I mean, Ray feels hard done by and Emmett thinks, I'm a great guy. Everyone likes me. I'm good and great and have earned what I have. And he is, like, in that very, very basic sense, it's hard to be genuinely humble because he thinks that everything he has is deserved. Mm -hmm. So how can he be humble about it? Absolutely,
1: absolutely. And, you know, right after that, he ends up back at home where his wife has seen this ridiculous sex tape. And just like in season one, where uh, Kitty who's Chaz's wife, instantly believes, like, what did you do? She qu- instantly believes that this is Emmett. And Even though, like, he has a Even, brother who looks a lot like exactly. him. Exactly. <laughs> and, like, and Ray and Emmett is saying, like, that's not me, that's Ray, look at it, it's Ray. She still totally leaves him. Yeah. With no, and so, like, she was suspicious that something was going on, or she's she's aware of his... Proclivity to immorality, I think.
0: Yeah, or something. Or his yeah. And the show is linking that to him to being conceited or egotistical. Yeah. I like that Nikki says we'll keep our faces absurd. Yeah. Obscured. What did I say? Yeah. Um, just I don't just Mm want to point that out.
1: Yeah. Also, that he proposes and she's like, "I'm wearing a hooker wig." (laughs) Yeah, so funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I really thought that Nikki would be dead.
1: Me too. When she got got beat like that, I thought it was her head.
0: When she got up again, I was very surprised. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to like back up from that and say, size idea of shackles off, shackles off is to pay Nikki a bunch of money. I know. He is so too good and pure for this world. I
1: know. Oh, it's 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 so sad because, yeah, Psy is like, you feel like, oh, he's going to be tough, and he's like saying this, like, oh, he's going to go kill Ray, but of course he's not. He's, he's
0: going to pay him a bunch gonna of money. He's going to pay him
1: as much money as it takes instead of a small amount of money. He's going to pay him as much money as it takes, and he's so horrified by watching yeah. them beat Nikki and they they focus exclusively on his face and all you hear is the sounds and that's another one of these like bodily things to jump ahead a bit. And I mean I don't want to talk about it too much, but the like the ball the Varga putting his balls in his cup and then making him drink it was like yeah, I want your it. Bodily blood, for the there's episode. your bodily thing and like I'm like gagging just thinking about it. It grosses me out so hard.
0: It's so, I mean, yeah. I don't know what really we need to say about that because I feel like most of the meaning of that is pretty explicit, that it's yeah. all about dominance.
1: Dominance. Serious dominance. Yeah. That's, all, like, ultimate dom- dominance. And, I mean, I'm I'm talking about the bodily things right now for this episode, so I okay. want to say also that, like, did you notice uh, when... I was going to say Clark. No. The IRS guy, whose name is... Dollard. 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 Shows up. Uh, he talks about, you know, I need a little office. I did I did a stint at wherever where I was surrounded by... Uh, spent a month surrounded by plastic poop and rubber vomit.
0: Right. Poop and vomit.
1: Poop and vomit. It's more bodily things. That's, he's talking about fake stuff, but it's still...
0: These words exist on this show. And then, of course, the other bodily thing is just bodies being mistaken for each other in this right, episode yeah, the sex exactly. tape with the wrong body yeah uh, i mean the misidentified body mhm um, and i suppose when yuri talks about in siberia the blood in mm-hmm. the ground and there's that's why there's snow to cover the blood cover the blood and through this show we've seen a lot of snow and blood mm-hmm. and we're once again like really commenting on that snow and blood. And underneath the snow, there's lots of blood, Mm -hmm. lots of dead bodies in Russia, which is also our Russian connection. Siberia. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a few comments on truth, right? Gloria says, you don't have to, this is the truth. You don't have to like the truth for it to be the truth. And Donnie says, you sure about that? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and Nikki talking to Cy about the sex tape says yeah. we have a tape that says shows Emmett having an affair with his secretary it's a fact Cy so says it never happened and she says that doesn't make any le- any less of a fact yeah once again that feels like a thesis statement for the entire show is it's a fact it's a fact it didn't happen that doesn't make it less of a fact right. the truth isn't true facts aren't real and uh, stories aren't reliable mhm welcome to fargo <laughs> exactly the stories told vargas tells says to sigh a story that an an chicken mm-hmm. is an egg's way of making another egg right it's all about, so and his point is it's all about how you see it about yep. perspective what perspective um, Cy tells the widow Goldfarp a story about how Emmett is a philanthropist and wants to give money to build houses in yeah, Africa. And, and he makes that all up. I mean, that might be more strongly a lie than a story, strictly speaking. The sheriff tells, uh, Gloria a story. There's a girl in England... L- ties a note to a balloon. If found, please return to Laura Buxton. And right. it flies across and lands in a field and found by a girl named Laura Buxton. It's a true story. Yep. Coinci- and his point is coincidences happen. Yep. These connections between that you're trying to make something of aren't important and I'm going to ignore them because coincidences just happen.
1: Yeah. Just because they have the same name doesn't mean anything.
0: Yeah. Varga tells Emmett a story about how what they're doing is making a souffle. Hmm. I don't know if that's a, more a metaphor than a story. Yeah. And of course, as I already said, Yuri tells about lots of people dying in Russia. Hmm.
1: I have a question that I had after watching this episode, and maybe it's for the whole season, but... Is Sai in love with Emmett? Is there a little bit of, like... Like, he's just so devoted to him and so upset when things happen to him that I feel like there's more to their relationship than just really good friends. I feel like his devotion to Emmett borders on love, borders on, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, not that those kind of friendships don't exist, and it isn't important to have those kind of friendships, but I feel like maybe Psy's a little bit in love with Emmett. He worships him.
0: He worships him. He's
1: like, Emmett's the greatest guy. He's so great. Uh, You know? And when he tells... He
0: loves him. He loves love. I think, without any question, he loves him. Um, When he tells the widow Goldfarb about how Emmett is a philanthropist and wants to give money away and he's a great man... Mm Mm-hmm. That's a lie, but it's not really a lie, because yep. Cy really believes that Emmett is a great man. Yeah. And you could say anything good about Emmett, and Cy will believe it, mm-hmm. because Sai thinks that Emmett is the greatest. Yeah. And he says, Emmett Stussy, who you'll meet, is a great man. That's not a lie. That's not a lie, exactly. Whether he's in love with him, I think, is questionable. We mm-hmm. see some real... I mean, this doesn't necessarily mean anything. In fact, we have text of the show uh, with Gloria talking about different kinds of love but we see Sai having genuine devotion and affection for his wife mm-hmm. that's true that, sure do. which doesn't mean that he couldn't be in love with Emmett but yeah. makes that more complicated mm-hmm. um,
1: anything else for this episode?
0: just that Sai says that he's stepped off the map Mm. In season one, Malvo says, You're at the end of the map. It says, Here there be monsters. Right. So that's another connection to season one and the mm-hmm. idea of. And to the idea of the world isn't what you think it is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Episode six the is called The Lord of No Mercy. Gloria and Winnie attempt to interrogate Emmett, but are pushed out by Varga. When they arrive at Ray's house, Ray and Nikki hide and then leave to hide out at a motel. Ray forgets the money, and when he retrieves it, he finds Emmett. The two brothers fight, and Ray is killed. Varga cleans up the mess, leaving Nikki as the prime suspect.
0: So the title of this episode, The Lord of No Mercy, I just have no idea. I mean, the reference The Lord of Mercy... Mm -hmm is a reference to Judeo-Christian God. God. Hmm. Um, The Lord of No Mercy, obviously, is the opposite of that. As far as I can tell, it is not a reference to anything that previously existed. Like, if you Google the Lord of No Mercy, you get Fargo episodes. Hmm. I think that there's... And we could say some things about mercy in this episode mm. and lack of mercy in this lack episode of mercy. and especially like the lord of no mercy and i think about Emmett tries to show mercy to ray yep and and then really really fails really fails and it seems somewhat like it's his own nature that is failing to be gracious and merciful and Ray is failing to be gracious and merciful to Emmett. Mm-hmm. But there's also an aspect to which the god of the show is not being merciful to either of That's them. That's so true. Yeah. We've talked in previous, in a previous season about Noah Hawley is the god of the show. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about god in Fargo, we really want to bear in mind that there is a literal creator who has a purpose that... You may argue one way or the other about whether things happen for a reason in the real world. But in Fargo, everything does happen for a reason. And it is controlled by a purposeful deity who is doing it for reasons, right? (laughs) That is true, exactly. And he is a lord of no mercy in this episode.
1: Yeah, well, Varga is kind of the lord of no mercy as well. He's controlling a lot of the situation. He even says, Let each man say what he deems truth, and let truth itself be commended unto God. And yeah. so he's saying, you know, truth is for the Lord, and he kind of sees himself as that. Yeah, there's a lot in this episode. Like this, this, sure this episode is. is sure filled with a lot of stuff, and there's a lot of good scenes and a lot of like horrifying scenes when Ray is killed, and like I just want to shout out to like the very first the funny scenes of uh, the IRS guy and Milo and uh, Mimo coming in and like imitating him spot on and being like was he watching like he would have had the outfit already but he clearly like watched him like through a camera or something set out his folder exactly perfectly and then does the exact same thing in front of him
0: and even like the outfit they Mm -hmm. must have there's some uh background if we want to take it literally they must have been spying on him to have him be wearing the exact same outfit as yeah. he is. Yes, he's not age. just wearing a grey suit, he's wearing the exact same grey suit, and all his briefcase is full of the exact same pens and notes, and he lays them out exactly, exactly the same. <laughs> it's yeah. fantastic.
1: Yeah. And, yeah, and I guess that just speaks to like the way that they watch people, the way they're, they're spies yeah. on everyone. Yeah. And they fail in this episode to do that on Gloria, because Gloria is not online. Yeah. He, he tries to Google her, he tries to Google the police department, all he can find out is they're in the library, and that's it. That's kind of, it works to her advantage of not having computers.
0: Yeah, it's kind of, this is a bizarre connection to make, but she's like Battlestar Galactica. She's not networked.
1: Yeah, And totally. so
0: when the uh, Cylons, <laughs> that is Varga, attacks... He can attack everyone who's networked. <laughs> Not her. There you go. <laughs> um, I want to keep, before we even move on, Mimo in that scene, so much about it is great. It's hilarious. The mimicking both uh, Dollard and Mimo are great in that scene. Mm-hmm. But I also really like the expansion of Mimo's character. That he's been this henchman. Yep. He's been, you know, mirrored with... Uh, yuri yuri as like i'm gonna beat people up and he has his head his earbuds in and rarely says anything always kind of looks bored Mm -hmm. and then here we see like even though this is an act this is an act that requires intelligence of him he can't just be a dumb henchman to pull this off yeah exactly i just love expanding his character Mm -hmm. as like oh there's more way more depth to this yeah, voiceless henchmen than we thought
1: and it's also not banging the same drum again like we've had voiceless henchmen we had Mr. Wrench we had the k- Kitchen Brothers we had these two and like they're different they're not the Kitchen Brothers where they ever talk he's not a mute sidekick he has personality and has you know he might be quiet most of the time but he can and does do things and does, and has specialized skills
0: yes It just is good writing. Yeah. The bodily fluids in this episode, one, obviously, is all of Ray's blood all over the floor, and Mm -hmm. that it's much like Maurice's blood in the second episode, it's really importantly physically there as blood yeah. like it's symbolic but it's also like just very bodily there's blood everywhere and it needs to be cleaned up and are we gonna clean it up or are we not gonna clean it up yeah and if you don't it's there and it's staining things and it actually suddenly reminds me of the blood stain in season one Mm-hmm. but even more like it's all this bodily blood
1: yeah and i mean oh i was shouting at Emmett to like First of all, Ray, don't pull out the glass, and then Emmett, like, stop the bleeding. Grab and like, like, grab a cloth and help stop that bleeding. You could maybe save him, he just but he just there. stands there and watches his brother die. Yeah, and like, it may have been kind of an accident, but he definitely murdered his brother.
0: And he'll say that later. Yeah, I right? definitely
1: he will say that later. When we get
0: to yeah. that episode, we'll return to it. But yeah, um, and the other big. Blood in this episode is what, something you probably skipped over, because it's really gross. You said you're skipping over the gross Varga's mouth things. Yeah. Varga is picking his teeth. Oof, yeah. And it's, it's, his, his gums are bleeding. Are bleeding. And we get, like, shot inside his mouth while he's picking at his bloody teeth. Yeah, it's gross. And that's partly, I think, like, he's rotting. Yeah. And it's also partly, even though the blood is his, like, he has bloody teeth because he's a predator.
1: Mm -hmm. He's, like, picking the, like, yeah, he's almost picking the blood out of his teeth, like he's a wolf who's been eating something. There's also, uh, he, Varga says, do you want to stay in the shallow end of the pool? And, like, the shallow end of the pool is where the turds float. And it's more like, you know, these bodily metaphors of, like, you want to be with the turds? Yeah. (laughs) Just very evocative.
0: Yes. Um, in terms of feet, Varga tells Gloria and Winnie that he is Emmett's associate in ladies' shoes.
1: Yes. I mean, he's hiding his identity and he's picking, like, a weird thing. That was weird.
0: It was weird. Why ladies' shoes? Why ladies' shoes? It doesn't I make any know. sense with the front of their parking company. They're a you know, a parking lot company. Yeah. But ladies' shoes, I think, because feet is so relevant. And maybe, again, if I keep pulling on this metaphor of shoes or how you interact with the world, he's in ladies' shoes because he's in uh, shoes that don't fit him. The way that he interacts with the world is not appropriate. Mm -hmm. And by that, I don't mean to say, like, if you're a man who likes lady shoes, you know, do whatever you want. But Yeah, but it seems creepy. It seems creepy because, yeah. So he's in the wrong kind of shoes. Mm-hmm. Because he's in the wrong place and interacting with the world in a wrong way. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Stories, Stories told.
0: Varga yeah. says the line. Varga says the beginning title text on in this series yeah, this is a true Varga story. says it This is a true story
1: But then he doesn't continue with it and, you
0: know, yeah. He tells three true stories, one after another.
2: Mm-hmm. One
0: is about the stock market crash Yep And the point of that story is perception of reality becomes reality mm-hmm. Which is majorly significant to the theme of the entire show, but yeah. season Absolutely Um, and it's important for Varga's, uh, plan, like his, his strategy is he's tipping his hand, but it doesn't matter because it's a show of strength and perception of reality becomes reality. He tells Emmett that he's his partner. So he is.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, another true story immediately following the next one, the first world war was started by a sandwich these t- first two really are true yep, stories. Yeah, they're absolutely true stories. He says, and uh, I won't retell the story because you watched the show. But yeah. the assassin was in the right place because he stopped for a sandwich. Yeah, and that started First World War. I feel like this is significant for the show because it's about coincidence. Mm-hmm. It's about what are the chances? What are the chances? Yeah, things absolutely. just happen.
1: Yeah. What are the chances that Ray would get a piece of glass right in his artery, in his neck. Exactly. You know?
0: And then one more true story. The moon landing was faked. Yeah, it was on a sand stage. It was on a sand stage. And uh, Sai says, that, that didn't that happen. That didn't happen. And much as we've heard before on the show, that didn't happen it doesn't make it not a fact. Yeah. And Varga doesn't argue with Sai, but Sai's no. like that. That didn't happen, and Varga just moves on. Yep. So it's once again the like stories.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: She, he they, he gives us three stories, two of which really are true, one of which isn't true unless you think it is true. It's not, but you know, mm-hmm. some people think it is. Yep. And all of this is framed within the show Fargo, which is framed as if it's a true story, but isn't.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: for certain values of truth, maybe it is. Maybe it's telling us something true about humanity or trying to. There's also, it might count as a story when he tells, uh, when Varga tells Gloria and Winnie that in 1932, there were 24 Hitlers. Mm -hmm. There were 24 Adolf Hitlers in the Berlin phone book. Were all of them responsible for... Uh, the Third Reich, and like...
1: Yeah. And that kind of relates to the first scene of the show with the, you know, the mistaken identity.
0: Mistaken identities. And it also connects to, like, Varga knows a lot about Hitler.
1: Yeah, he sure does. And yeah. is
0: kind of a fan. Not, yeah. Kind of.
1: He's a fan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that it for stories, or do you have more stories? That's it for stories. Because I, I want to talk about something crazy in this episode that okay, I Okay, go this is the episode where I noticed something that I looked it up online to see how many people have noticed it and not many. And so, uh, if you, dear listener, want to rewatch this episode, episode six, notice that if you listen really carefully, the TV is playing in Nikki's hotel room. And there's a couple of scenes where she goes in and out of the room, and you can hear the TV and if you focus on only that sound of the TV, you'll notice that it is a scene from season two of Fargo with a laugh track. It is Peggy stabbing and Ed saying things like, did you stab the hostage? And (laughs) the, the audience laughs. And did you make the phone call? I tried to. And like, I left a message and it's like, it's the exact scene, but like played for laughs. And I don't know what that means, but like man is every background thing on Purpose on this show,
0: yeah, it is so bizarre. I listened to that. You, po- I didn't notice. You yeah. pointed it out, and then I went back and listened to it many times. Mm-hmm. And like, it ha- there's twice when we hear the background sounds, and they're both season two of Fargo. And the yeah. first is like a little snippet, and it's like, "You're invited to dinner, by the way. Ha 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 ha. I'll be there in a suit of armor. Ha 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 ha. ha, ha. Yeah. And then the other one is the, did you stab the hostage? And like. A laugh track added and different actors, or yep. for all I know, maybe the same actors yeah, just doing a different say. delivery. It just... I think there's a number of things that we can dig into yeah, that, Yeah, right? like, like,
1: it just... it adds to the, like, the this is a show thing. They're all... all
0: these seasons are connected. It's... The fact that the, se- the last season... Those scenes, especially the stabbing the hostage scene, like, it was funny, but it wasn't funny. Yeah. And then you add a laugh track and ham it up, and it, like, seems like a sitcom. It could have been a sitcom, yep. And it is a statement on the way that you perceive the truth and the significance and the import of a story Mm -hmm. goes into the framing. And that reminds us of how in the first episode, this whole thing is framed by this Cold War story, and so the whole thing is framed by the Cold War and by misinformation and the power of the state and this whole season. Yep. We have to understand it through that frame, and we do, And but maybe we shouldn't, because maybe the whole meaning of the thing will change if you change the frame. Mm-hmm. And it's, as we've done on Fargo a few times before, it's really uh, in a kind of... Brechtian way, alienating the audience by drawing attention to the artificiality of the medium. Mm -hmm, Absolutely, like, hey everybody, this is a TV show.
1: Yeah, exactly, and it's like, it also makes you. I don't know. It feels like it's Noah Hawley being like, hey guys, this is a comedy. Yeah, like it's it's a super dark, super dark comedy, but like Fargo's a comedy. Yep, it's funny. And when you stick a laugh track on it, it is really funny. But, like, you don't laugh like that at that part.
2: No.
0: You
1: maybe chuckle because you're like, what? She stabs him? But, like, you don't roar in laughter like they are in that laugh track. But you might if there was one.
0: If they were telling you that you should. Yep. You might. Have you, have you seen those, like... um they big, come on YouTube sometimes, big, of like theory, Big Bang Theory, with the laughs. laugh yeah. track taken out, and you're like, "Would I laugh at any of these points if I wasn't being told to laugh?" Yeah, exactly. And this is doing that in reverse. Like yeah. if we told you, "Hey, this is a joke, laugh now." There's actually quite a lot of comedy in mm-hmm. Fargo. Exactly. It is a comedy. Watching it, the third time I watched this, parts of this season three times in preparation. Yeah. uh And the third time, there were parts that I, like, really roared with laughter at. Yeah, exactly. And you were like, are you watching Varga right now? (laughs) What is making you laugh so hard? Just the third time. I'm not as shocked or disturbed anymore. And all the funny parts seem funnier.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, the reference to Russia in this episode, there's a big portrait of Stalin on the wall in Varga's caravan. Oh, really? Uh... And we can maybe imagine that that's Yuri. Yuri seems like the one who's a big, He's fan, a big of fan of Stalin. Yeah, but also Varga is a fan of uh, dictators.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: and he also talks to Emmett about Lenin. Uh, talking about Beethoven. Do you know what Lenin said when he heard this sonata by Beethoven? Lenin, I mean, Pyotr Ilyovich, not the bloody walrus. Um, <laughs> he says, I cannot listen. I, he, I, he said, what Lenin said about this Beethoven piece is, I know of nothing more beautiful, but I can't listen to it. It makes one want to say kind things and pat people on the head. Better to beat the person about the head.
1: <laughs> jeez.
0: Right? And I've looked it up, and what Varga says is not quite the quote, and what Mm. I wrote down is not quite the quote either, is neither exactly what Varga says, nor exactly what Lenin said, but the gist of it is, this music is beautiful, and it makes me want to be kind to people who could create such beauty out of such hardship, Hmm. but it's really unkind to be kind to people in hardship, it's better to destroy them, Hmm. is Lenin, right?
2: No.
0: So that's Russia. And that's yep. also Varga listening to that sonata uh and apparently agreeing with Lennon. Yeah, about and
1: sending it. the like the henchmen off to murder Nikki and and uh Ray.
0: Yeah. Um we'd also point out that Nikki here sees the whole story.
1: Yeah, she realizes about the like dirty dealings with the in, in Emmett's business without yeah. knowing
0: very much at all. She connects the point, the dots and she figures things out. She sees the whole story in much the same way that Betsy just kind of sees the whole story in season two. Yeah. In the hair salon when she's like, I have a theory that maybe it's this. And she's just right. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And if that's he's Nikki. That.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I wrote down
1: even that like... Nikki, so smart in that moment, and then leaves her room door open like a dummy. Why does she do that? I mean, it turns out okay. She doesn't get killed. But, like, that was the dumbest thing she ever did. Yeah. Why would she leave her hotel room door open? Episode 7 is called The Law of Inevitability. Nikki is arrested for Ray's murder, but Gloria is not allowed to question her. Winnie goes to tell Emmett about her, his brother's death, and Emmett casts suspicion on Nikki. Psy breaks down to his wife. A uniformed man tries to poison Nikki in jail, but Gloria stops him. Nikki is put on a bus to prison, but Yuri causes it to crash.
0: So, the law, the title, The Law of Inevitability, is a reference to probability. Mm-hmm. The Law of Inevitability is a part of what's called the Improbability Principle i'm going to talk about the improbability principle in a second because i think it's important but first the law of inevitability states that something must happen Hmm. right so if you know all the possible outcomes the law of inevitability states one of them has to happen in simple terms if i flip a coin it has to be either heads or tails right so one of those options has to happen that's the law of inevitability May I digress for a moment and explain the improbability principle? Because I think it's relevant to the season. Okay. So The improbability principle is the idea of why such why uh, one in a million chances are actually really likely. And there are four parts to the improbability principle. One of them is the law of inevitability. It says something has to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. The other, another part of the improbability principle is the principle of truly great numbers. Or, or very large numbers or mm-hmm. whatever. Which is that the world has been going on for a really long time and there's an awful lot of people in it. So somewhere in the history of the entire world, someone has, you know, had their father-in-law step on their foot every day for a week you know you think Mm -hmm. of a bizarre and if that hasn't happened yet well the number of people in the world is huge and eventually it will yeah right and so things that seem unlikely because of the inevitability principle and the love truly large numbers are going to happen eventually probably Mm -hmm. the third part is that uh anything is that things become much more probable when you decide the conclusion after the fact instead of before. Right. So, for example, all the coincidences about Kennedy and Lincoln. Kennedy had a secretary named Lincoln, and Lincoln had a secretary named Kennedy. Mm-hmm. But we get to pick afterwards what we're finding as important connections. Mm-hmm. Right. So once, once something weird has happened, you can then look at it and find the improbable things that happened and that makes it seem even more improbable yep the fourth part of the improbability principle is the law of close enough
2: hmm
0: so two people walking down the street bump into each other oh uh they say what's your name Uh, frank my name's frank too what's your last name smith my name's smith too what's your middle name what's your middle initial w my name's w2 what's your what's it stand for winston oh mine's walter still though that's pretty close yeah and the so the principle of close enough is how close to something have... how we can slide that scale how yeah. close does it have to be before it's not amazing anymore mm-hmm. and then the last Part of it is just that very small changes in probability greatly affect affect the probability. Right. So, if I'm flying home uh, for Christmas and I happen to sit on a plane right next to one of my students, that seems very impro- improbable. Except that, wait, when you think about it, well, we have vacation at the same time. Right. Uh, and... We're neither of us flying first class, so the number of seats is less than it seems at first. And it's not possible to sit by yourself. So you're going to sit beside someone, and a lot of the seats sold are sold in pairs. So if I was flying by myself and my student was flying by themselves, the probability of us sitting next to each other becomes a lot higher. Mm -hmm. So all those things that... all those five parts come together to say, very improbable, what are the chances things are not just might happen, they're guaranteed to happen. Hmm. There is definitely one in a million, what are the chances things, but you can't predict what they're going to be, mm-hmm. but one million chances happen. Yeah. All the time. I think that's relevant for this season. Yes. Because this season is just full of these one in a million mm-hmm. chances, what are the chances things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think in this episode specifically, what are the chances that Nikki is going to get on a prison bus and go get sat down and handcuffed to Mr. Wrench from season one and two?
0: Yeah, and well, because of the inevitability principle, because of the. That's actually not that surprising. Yeah.
1: Also, because it was written by a writer. Also, because it was written by a
0: writer <laughs> who wanted to bring in a character that he'd seen before. Yeah. At the beginning of this episode, Nikki is watching a nature documentary. You were talking in the last episode about things in the background and how they're significant. Nikki's watching a nature documentary and the uh, narrator says, The millipede is not a predator. She will only defend herself if provoked or attacked. Yep. That's Nikki. (laughs) That's Nikki. Yep. She, uh... It's also Gloria. Yeah, you're Right. And it's important in Fargo, like, predators. Mm -hmm. Predators are important in this show. Who is a predator and what is it to be a predator? Yeah. And it's important, then, that Nikki's not a predator. Yeah, very much. Even though she ends up doing a lot of violent stuff, she's not a predator because she'll only attack when provoked or attacked. She'll defend herself. Yeah. And that's a distinction that's important for understanding her character. Mm Mm-hmm. Um being speaking of predators, we have wolves showing up in this season again. Yes. Yeah, in this episode again. Well,
1: it we've seen it before, but this episode really strongly is Yuri wearing a wolf head.
0: Yes. Yeah, he had the wolf head, like, outside the library, right? Yeah, when yeah. When he was He's had it a intimidating few Donnie. Yeah. I didn't make a note of that. that
1: was, yeah, I think that's already happened, but I can't remember.
0: I didn't make a note of it. We should just comment on how Donnie letting uh yurigo is just like gust letting oh uh,
1: yeah letting lord malpo go yeah exactly
0: the sheriff what's his name says chief the chief the new chief he's actually not the chief of police he's the sheriff yeah but donnie calls Calls him him new chief. chief but he says again not for the first time like things are simple yep i like a story when it's simple I think that things are always simple. They're never complicated. You mash a potato. and What do you get? Mashed potatoes. Yep. And he, it is so frustrating.
1: So frustrating. Oh, I just just want to punch his stupid face for being like that. Just for being like, completely ignoring all the facts. Again, again, with a superior male officer ignoring everything. And it's not and being, just, like... And just, like, tossing his dick around is really
0: what it feels like, again. When I feel like with this case, like, back in season one, Bill didn't understand. Yes. But here, he doesn't want to understand. No, he sure doesn't. Like, that's a difference, mm-hmm. right? It's still... Bill was still bad mm-hmm. as a superior. Yeah. But, like, these... Superior offers, and you're so right, they're men, and it's important that they're men, and mm-hmm. I think we'll talk about that in our next episode.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But uh, it's so frustrating, superiors who don't understand or want to understand. Yeah, and he just
1: wants an easy solution and just to uh, have it end.
0: Yeah, oh, goodness. Um, Stories told. When Varga is comforting Emmett, he tells him, When I was a kid and I was upset, my mother would say a rhyme. There was a crooked man who walked a crooked mile. He found a crooked sixpence against a crooked style. He doesn't say the whole rhyme, but he lived, they all lived together in a little crooked house. I skipped a part in the middle because he did. What is that about?
1: Yeah, it's a bit weird. I mean, it's a very British rhyme. It is? It's also about being crooked, which Mm -hmm. he really is. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't see how it's comforting to Emmett at all in this situation.
0: <laughs> no, <except laughs> I don't that it's understand. A nursery rhyme, I suppose. Yeah,
1: I guess. Why would a nursery rhyme be comforting to?
0: Because it's comfort food in Varga's mind. I guess. That's yeah. What his mother used to say to him when he was feeling bad. So he says it to someone else. Yeah. I don't think that Varga thinks it's going to be comforting, though. Hmm. So why is he saying it? I do not know. I think that Varga is duplicitous enough to want to pretend to Emmett that he's trying to comfort Emmett, while at the same time not trying to comfort Emmett. Yes, good point. And then the show shows us sigh, uh, the Crooked yeah, House. That's true. And, like, Psy is not a crooked man in the sense of dishonest, but he is a crooked man kind of in the sense that the nursery rhyme means, which Mm -hmm. is off-kilter.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah, and when Psy goes home and just, like, cries to his poor wife, to his wife, and all the world is wrong, it's so heartbreaking. He's in so far over his head. And Emmett's in, in over his head, but he is still making these really bad choices, whereas Sai is over in over his head and just, like, does not know what to do to get out of over his head.
0: Yeah, Emmett thinks that he's still in control. Emmett hasn't come to the point where he realizes yeah. that he is over his head. He still thinks that he can find a way that he can yeah. ride this out. Sai has come to the point where he, like... Oh, it's heartbreaking. It is. It's super it sad. looks... And what he says is... It looks like my world, but everything is different. Yep. And that once again, that's sad. Yeah, the world is wrong. The world is wrong. Yep. And this this idea throughout the season of what is truth. Yep. Nothing is what it appears to be. And this time that isn't in a, like, uh, uncanny, sinister way. Mm -hmm. It's in a, like disillusioned way. Mm -hmm. Right? Nothing is what I thought it was.
2: Yeah.
1: What is up with the first scene in this episode is Varga opening up all of Emmett's Christmas presents. And then we see them later and they're wrapped up back where they were. So what the hell? (laughs) Why is he unwrapping his presents? Just to know what they are? Just to, like, have that upper
0: hand? It's it's a power move except is it a power move if Emmett doesn't know he did it only
1: if later he come he like somehow uses yeah. it against him
0: I think it shows I think it's there's two I have two ideas about it and they could both be true right yeah one is it just shows how Varga has his finger in everything in Emmet's life yeah he is all up in Emmett's business he is spying on every aspect of Emmett's life. He's, in, he's implanted himself everywhere in Emmett's life. Yeah. The other one is, I think, connected to Varga's bulimia. Mm. That, that, um, that spying is not all strategic.
1: Yes. It's, it's a compulsion. compulsion. It's a compulsion. He can't
0: help himself from, like, just opening everything about Emmett. It's not mm-hmm. going to help him. It's not really about power, except to himself. Like, yeah. it's not about showing Emmett that No, power. definitely
1: not. It's just to be powerful.
0: I think it's a compulsion.
1: Mm, I think you may be right.
0: Um, We have feet in this episode when oh, Nikki yeah? goes out the window, running from the police. We really focus on that she's wearing these like, slippers. Right, yeah. And then in the police station, again, we focus on her slippered feet in the police station, Hmm. so she's unprepared for the situation she has found herself in. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. People wearing uh, slippers and pajamas and and, and whatnot outside of their home, in, like, in fiction, always bothers me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs)
1: It's like a... I know you know this about me, but, like, it's like a when you're in a dream and some, and you're wearing the wrong thing, you're either naked or in your underwear or you're wearing pajamas or whatever in a wrong situation. And so things like, just to digress completely into nothingness, but Emperor's um, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, he wears his pajamas the entire book he never gets to change out of them and i'm like i can't handle this and things like <laughs> and so like things like they're wearing their slippers and they have to go to a police station and just their slippers and i'm like i can't handle this <laughs> anyway.
0: it's the most horrible part of it it's the, whole the most season. horrible part about it i want to comment on gloria's invisibility or lack of existence yeah there isn't technology that fails to react but we start to see that uh Playing out in the way that people interact with her in this episode, all the the forms that she's going up and down, and fill out this form and fill out that form, and that's a kind of uh, failing to see her.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a
0: kind of making her invisible to them. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So moving on, episode eight.
0: Episode eight.
1: Episode eight is called "Who Rules in the Land of Denial." Nicky and Mr. Wrench escape the bus after the crash and go on the run from Varga's henchman. They decapitate one and chop Yuri's ear off. They end up in some kind of supernatural bowling alley. Sai is poisoned by Varga and ends up in a coma. Three months pass. Emmett is haunted by killing Ray. Varga has made him very rich, but Emmett evades him to go to the police station and confess.
0: So the title, Who Rules in the Land of Denial, again, as far as I could tell, is not a reference to anything. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Cleopatra.
2: Uh, Who
0: Rules in the Land of Denial. Uh. No? Okay. (laughs)
2: Um,
0: For some reason, it makes me think of the, like, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Mm. I don't know that that's a deliberate reference at at all, but it's what comes to my mind. Like, Who Rules in the Land of Denial the one who is not quite denying. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so who is in denial in this episode? Or who's ruling in this episode despite through either through denial or despite denial? I am not sure. Me like I think either. maybe in this episode we kind of have Sai in denial about Varga despite everything he knows. Mm-hmm. He comes to the house and he's still like treats, you know, treats Varga as if he might be telling him the truth.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And that's Sai's final undoing. Yeah. I mean, Sai's pretty undone already. Yeah. But beyond that, I'm not really sure where denial comes in this episode. We have
1: a whole, this whole weird, like, in terms of who rules, we had this whole weird bowling alley sequence with uh, Ray Wise that might be, he might be the ruler. But that's the
0: whole thing to talk about. Well, let's talk about it. Okay. What is up with the magical bowling alley? I know. And Ray Wise. We need to talk about Ray Wise. Before we talk about the magical bowling alley, he has come up a few times before, Mm -hmm. and we said we would dig into him more deeply eventually. Yeah. What or who is he?
1: I feel like he's God. You think so? I feel like he's God or an angel because he does good in this episode, mm-hmm. and he sends Nikki off to be an avenging angel and like quotes the Bible at her, and and then takes Yuri and like shows him, you know, it pronounces vengeance on Yuri, and it's like, you're the people you killed want vengeance on you or whatever.
0: If he is God, he is a Jewish God.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. He's very, he,
0: he, he. what he quotes from is Obadiah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Talks uh, about Job as well. He talks about Job. And he, in reality, uh, the Jewish God is more nuanced than this. But what we see here is him as an avenging God. Yeah, absolutely. And specifically avenging the murder of Jews.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep.
0: I mean, comment on the quote that he gives Nikki to say, Though thou exalt thyself like the eagle and make thy nest among the mountains, yet shall I bring thee down, thus saith the Lord. Mm-hmm. Is Obadiah four, 1, verse 4. And it reminds me of Pulp Fiction and how uh, Jules quotes mm-hmm. from Ezekiel, except that except in that Pulp Fiction it's five. a fake Bible verse. hmm um, that Quentin Tarantino just made up because he thought it sounded yeah and thought it sounded biblical to him. Noah Holly finds an actual Bible verse Right because Noah Holly's writing is always uh, grounded in truth grounded in truth and referential. Yes, like it's, it's yeah. always referring you to other things. And so it would not do in a Noah Holly world. To have it be... It sounds biblical. Yep, absolutely. Um.
1: Uh, in the bowling alley, the signs say, do not cross your line. And I mean, it's just a bowling alley sign, but it also kind of feels like you don't get to cross between heaven and hell kind of mm. thing. Or like, this is the line that crosses you. And I mean, like, we know it's not a real bowling alley because when she says, why the bowling... like in this bowling alley, and he goes, is that what you see? And so, like, Nikki sees a bowling alley, but it seems to be, like, this in-between space between, like, heaven and hell, between life and death, between... I'm not sure.
0: I'm not sure. See, okay, I don't think that... uh, Actually, I don't think Ray Wise is God because I'm remembering he said some of us didn't think Mr. Wrench should come. But I thought he should. Mm. That does not seem like he's the authority. So he's Except an angel. He's an angel, Except or maybe it does mean he's the authority because, like, some of my some people thought he shouldn't, but I'm the one who has the final say, and I thought he should.
1: Yeah. Or, uh, if we're going from like an American gods perspective, there are lots of gods, and this, he's the god that they get. Yeah, maybe some of the other gods thought no, but I did. Yeah. Oh, man. There's, oh, yeah, like, this, this whole thing with the bowling alley is just bananas, and, like... I love it. I love it. I love it so much. And, like, the cat Ray, when he gives her the kitten, and, like, his name is Ray, and she just holds him, and she looks at him, and it's, like, she gets to talk to Ray again, and it's, like, it's bananas. And, like, later on, she'll be like, I saw Ray, and he's a kitten. Yeah. And, like... That sounds crazy, but, like, she gets her closure, kind of. And gets her motivation to then, like, become this crazy avenging angel.
0: And he gives her Ray and gives her the Kabbalah uh, version of reincarnation. Mm. So he, like, it's again a very Jewish theology. Yeah. Because there is a a... Concept of reincarnation in Kavala. Hmm. And that's what he's citing. Yeah. And I love, too, like, man, still on Ray Wise, one of the first things he says to her is, she says, you know, it's been a long day. And he says, they're all long. That's the nature of existence. Hmm. Life is suffering. I think you're beginning to understand that.
2: Man. Oof. Yeah.
0: I don't know what to say about that Other than just to, like, I want to say that line here. Say, like, this is, if this is the mouth of God.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, I love that uh, Wrench being deaf cuts off a deaf guy's ear yeah that like that's kind of significant true also he cuts it off by like i don't know supernatural powers because he throws an axe into into the woods and cuts his ear off like first of all he can't hear him in the woods but he's, he's like sensing the vibrations seeing something slightly and then having that kind of exact aim to chop his ear off exactly
0: i think that it isn't exact aim like uh The guy.
1: I guess, yeah, his aim was
0: going to be. His aim was for the middle of his head. Yeah. It's, again, what are the chances? And we have earlier, what are the chances when the crossbow hits Yuri's wolf costume in the head? Yeah, Yuri. And doesn't kill him, but grazes his forehead. And then later, the axe doesn't kill him, but grazes his ear. Mm -hmm. And it's because, what are the chances? And it's because he is being saved so that he can end up in the bowling alley so that he can be subject to God's vengeance. (laughs) Yeah. And when he gets in the bowling alley, Raywise tells Yuri that he has a message from the victims of the u massacre and from Helga Albrecht. That Helga Albrecht is who the cop in episode one said Yuri murdered. Hmm. And the Gollum is what he's credited as, the third henchman. Who was oh, dressed as a cop? Right, is yeah. credited as Gollum. I don't think anyone calls him that. No. But in the credits. Hmm. He has a tattoo on his arm that says Helga.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And Yuri says, I knew a Helga once. Hmm. She was just talk, 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 talk. Huh. And then we come back like that is easy to miss. Yep. But then here, Helga Albrecht. That's who he killed in 1988.
2: Man,
1: it all. And comes that's around. what he's
0: punished for. Mm-hmm. And he is held responsible for the death of.
1: Yeah, the, for the death that the Cossacks did.
0: Yeah, and he has claimed in a previous episode he has claimed responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so he's so held- now he pays for it. Yeah,
1: he's held responsible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is very interesting.
0: When they leave the bowling alley, um. Raywise tells he tells Nikki that there is a car outside, a green Volkswagen Beetle. And he says this is the universe at its most ironic. It has been purged of all its sins. Why does a green Volkswagen beetle need to be purged of all its sins? And why is that the universe at its most ironic? And that sent me... My first thought was, like, looking back through the show and through previous seasons, whether that car ever did anything, and then yeah. I had a better thought, which is, what's Volkswagen? German. Volkswagen isn't just German. Volkswagen is Nazis. Nazi. So why, like, there's a Volkswagen outside, this is the universe at its most ironic. Yeah, absolutely. You are going to use a Nazi car to go off and uh, be the instrument of the Jewish God's vengeance. Hmm. That is
1: interesting. Good, anyway. good point. I did not, I, I was wondering what that meant. I'm glad you
0: figured that out. That's my theory anyway, and I think it's right. Yep. We can move on from the bowling alley now, if you, unless you have something else to say about it.
1: No, I don't. Uh, I mean, I have a thousand things to say, but oh, the, the shoes...
0: Yeah. That's, oh uh, yeah.
1: She asks he asks if she wants... want like the bowling alley unseen person asks if Nikki wants shoes because because bowling but like because feet. Yeah. And she's not wearing proper shoes. Oh, no, she is wearing shoes in this world. But she's
0: not wearing proper shoes for bowling. For she's bowling. come into a new situation where she needs new shoes, she needs a new way of interacting with the world and bowling shoes it's not really a bowling alley, so bowling shoes aren't really the way that she's going to interact with the bowling alley. They're the new way she's going to interact with the world as an angel of vengeance. Yeah, absolutely. And she gets new shoes, Yeah, metaphorically.
1: So we jump ahead by three months in this, too. And I yeah. like that. It, it's much like the other uh, seasons, where, uh, uh, much like season one, where we jumped ahead by a year. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a good choice.
0: Can we talk about Mr. Wrench for a second? yeah yeah absolutely mr wrench is back he's back i on one hand wrench and numbers were one of the best parts of season one and they were like i think i said uh in season one i I read in some review of an episode in season one that like there should just be a spin-off of wrench and numbers yep and so they're extremely likable characters and to have him back there's another sense in which he's an was an antagonist, but then when he comes back up in this season, now we are completely on his side, yeah absolutely, because he's someone we know, yeah, because we missed him and we love him, and he has mm-hmm. returned, and we are like mm-hmm. we were amb- we were ambivalently on his side in season one because they were so they were such interesting characters, yeah, but they were you know. Not really good, guys. Mm, Absolutely. But now I think he comes back up and we're like, yeah, I'm on your side. You do whatever you got to do. Yep. Also, you mentioned this off mic, but I'm going to say it now because uh, I think you forgot to say it. When we talk about Yuri, he is being held responsible for the deaths of the Jews.
1: Yeah, I thought about this, that he's... And he's punished by Mr. Wrench. Mr. Wrench is, I mean, if the chopped off ear is kind of what kills him, he bleeds to death because of it, uh, then Mr. Wrench kills him, and possibly in retribution for the death of his partner, Mr. Numbers. Now, Jonathan Silverman, who plays Mr. Numbers, is Jewish. I think we can infer that Mr. Numbers is probably Jewish. And so it feels, I don't know, it's maybe a bit of a stretch, but it feels like... His death is in retribution for just like all Jews.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think so. Yeah. I think that's not a stretch. I think that's exactly yeah. correct.
1: Do we need to move on, or do we have more in this um,
0: episode? I just want to say that uh, Mimo dances.
1: Oh yeah, that's really. F- oh man, he is such an interesting character. I love he has so it. many facets.
0: And um, yeah, that love really his good. dancing, and yeah. that what has been in his earbuds is like classical music, mm-hmm. and like it make he's so. This is what Noah Hawley is really, really good at, is none of these are stock characters. No, not at all. So he's a multifaceted, complex character with who has a hobby and it's dance. Mm-hmm. Like, I just love it so Absolutely. much. Uh, bodily fluids in this episode. Mm. There's all the blood all over the snow. Yeah, tons of blood on snow. The gross decapitation. The gross decapitation. The ear in the snow, which is yeah. gross. And there is Emmett, uh, wakes up with a mustache glued to his face and he goes and he pees.
1: Right, yeah. So we
0: have him, uh, which, by the way, connects him again to Ray, because he, Ray has been connected to urine. Yep, absolutely. And then we have Emmett with Ray's mustache on him, mm-hmm. being connected with urine. Yep. Um.
1: I love all the ways that they mess with Ray, with, uh, Emmett. By, like, putting the stamp all over his office and then the car there, he's like, yeah, just triggering his guilt so he goes and confesses.
0: Stories told, we've covered most of them. Mm-hmm. Yuri talks about the Helga that he knew. Ray Wise talks about Job on his dung heap, covered with boils. Raywise tells the story of Rabbi Nachman and the Yuman massacre. The rabbi called the mass grave a garden. He wanted to be buried there because his soul would bind and comfort Theirs.
1: Mm-hmm. It's beautiful.
0: It is beautiful. And it's. I don't know. It's comforting to Nikki? Like, why is he telling that story now? Yeah. The human Massacre comes up a second later when he kind of blames Yuri for it. Mm-hmm. Or hold Not blame so much as holds Yuri responsible for it. Yeah. But. In terms of telling that story to Nikki, it's about souls being uh, souls in transit. It's about why Ray can be back as a cat. Yeah. Uh, but it's also maybe about uh, death as redemptive. Mm-hmm. So how death can uh, redeem other deaths,
2: mm-hmm. I think. Absolutely.
0: Varga tells a story of Lieutenant Hiro Noda Onada, who was the last man to die in World War II. Yeah, I actually he... knew
1: this story before he told it. Yeah.
0: It's, it's such an interesting story, it's so well told, because Emma is having a panic attack, mm-hmm. and Varga's like, Imagine a tropical island. Yeah. It's bombed by yeah. your. What are you talking about? Yeah, you think he's going to like. Think he, he's he's, gonna he's gonna doing guided meditation. But no. He's telling a story to make a point, and what is the point? The point is give up. Yeah, now. yeah, exactly. Stop fighting. Stop fighting. Because you fighting are Lieutenant Donada, the la- like, fighting when World War Two is over. Yeah, it's been won, it's done. The war is over, and you've lost. Mm hmm. There's a connection to Cohen Brothers movies and the fact that this is a bowling alley? Yep, that's a connection to the Buslewski. Yep.
1: Okay, episode nine. Episode nine. <laughs> nine. We
0: we I want to say more, but we can't. Yeah. move on because
1: we don't have so much to say about episode ten. Episode nine is called Aporia. Emmett confesses to Ray's murder, but Varga covers it up with a series of Stussy deaths. Nikki and Mister Wrench ambush Varga's truck and then blackmail him. Gloria is distraught at the state of the world and Winnie comforts her. Aww. Yeah, that's sweet.
0: Aporia uh, has two meanings. In logic, in formal logic, an Aporia is an irresolvable internal contradiction. In rhetoric, an Aporia is an expression of doubt. Hmm. You can see why those two words are connected to each other. Yeah. So, is this episode about... Irresolvable contradictions, or about doubt, or about both. Both? <laughs> well,
1: no, I don't know. It's definitely about doubt. In that, uh, Gloria is doubting herself. Yeah. And uh, there's doubt about did Emmett kill Ray? Well, this new guy, this whole series of events that Varga manipulates means there's all there's doubt and he's let go and then what's the other one it means
0: an irresolvable internal contradiction i feel like the key the main irresolvable contradiction is two people have both confessed for the same murder yeah exactly and you know it's resolvable if you imagine that one of them is lying yeah but and one of them is but like it's the irresolvable contradiction in the logic puzzle of this episode.
1: Yeah. Um, Emmett says that thirty years he'd been killing him, and it's oh. so, like, similar to the first, the second season when like he's already dead. Yeah. He was already dead. I'd already killed him a thousand times. You know. Oh. It Emmett's, was inevitable.
0: Emmett's confession, I think, is so moving.
1: Yep, absolutely. And
0: it's so. Lo- I have through the whole season. And it is not... And it talks about how he's such a likable person and everyone likes him, but he hasn't been particularly likable because mm-hmm. he's been greedy and yeah. all the things that he accuses himself of in this episode. But here we see how even his attempt to make peace with Ray wasn't sincere, and now yeah. it is. Yeah,
1: exactly, and it's too like, late.
0: Now he understands himself. Mm-hmm. And he also, like... 30 years I've been killing him. That was just when he fell. That's such a mm-hmm. a moving realization for him to have. And there's also what you said uh, from the God of No Mercy that, like, it was an accident, but I'm not saying I didn't murder him.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: And we saw that when it happened, right? Mm-hmm. That, like, he stood there and watched him die. Yep. And he recognizes that. And he's the, like, throughout this whole show, killers are always saying, I'm the victim here. Mm -hmm. It wasn't my fault. I'm not the one who did it. Yeah. And there have been lots of deaths that were accidents, sort of. Mm -hmm. Like, Lester, it wasn't an accident, but he can sort of persuade himself that it was. It was a sudden flash of anger when he killed his wife. Yeah. And he didn't really mean to kill her, necessarily. He just yeah. wanted to lash out in anger.
1: And Peggy is an accident when she killed... And
0: Peggy is an accident when she killed... But killed, uh... Um,
1: Rye.
0: Rye. But here, Emmett realizes what they all should have realized. That mm-hmm. it was an accident, but that doesn't mean it wasn't murder. Yeah, exactly. Because, just like Peggy, I didn't do anything to help him afterwards. Mm-hmm. Just like uh, Lester, I lashed out in anger. Mhm. And even if I didn't mean for him to die, he did because of what I did. Yep. So satisfying. Absolutely. When Emmett and Gloria sit down, Emmett says, "A lie is not a lie if you believe it's true." Do you think that? Mhm. And Gloria says, "It's not my story." Mhm again like the truth what's the truth does the truth does what you believe matter gloria has previously gloria has previously said that the truth is the truth whether you believe it or not you don't have to like it for it to be the truth
1: yeah absolutely
0: and now well how about a lie is a lie a lie if you believe it Emmett used to believe that, but now he doesn't. And he's another example of someone who thought the world was one thing, and now it's different. Exactly the, the connection is Howard Zimmerman, who used to think that the connections between us matter, and now he thinks they don't. Mm-hmm. And Emmett used to think a lie isn't a lie if you believe it, but now he thinks it isn't. Right. He's come to a point where he thinks that the truth is the truth, and if what you say isn't the truth, it's a lie, even if you think it's true.
1: Mm-hmm. And... Oh. Gloria straight up says you think the world is something and then it turns out to be something else which is like the theme of this season
0: she says to her son right yeah there's violence and thinking the world isn't what you thought it was yeah and then just on that theme when the sheriff comes in and he says like blood and the guy confessed there was blood and super glue in the trunk those are facts yeah and Gloria says well I've got different facts
1: I've got different facts
0: again, facts. and what she means is I've also got facts that contradict with yours. Mm-hmm. what she says is I've got different facts different like facts. alternative facts.
1: yeah, that's interesting.
0: And one more kind of statement of theme in this episode is Varga talking to Emmet after he, they've sprung Emmett from prison. Varga says the problem is not that there's evil in the world. The problem is that there's good. Because otherwise, who would care? Yeah.
1: Oh, for you.
0: And that is also like if we come to logic, that is a logical solution to the problem of evil.
1: Yeah. Is that if everyone was evil, then it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't be evil.
0: And then Gloria comes to Winnie and is like, if "We didn't. Did we help? Yeah. Did we do anything?" And when he says, "Lost." J- Jesus wins in the end. Yeah. I'll drink to that. I'll we'll
1: drink to that. Yeah. Oh, and Winnie and Gloria's scene with like Gloria being like, I think I don't exist. I, these sensors don't work for me. I'm not really here. And then Winnie just gives her a big hug. Yeah, Winnie's the best. She's, she's the, so sweet. She's the best. Yep. That made me cry.
0: Yep. Her like standing up and giving her first she pokes her. Yep. And she's like, stand up, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. Yeah. And he gives her a hug. Yep. And then The taps work for her. And the
1: taps work for her. She goes to the bathroom.
0: Because she's she's in a quantum state.
1: Yep, she's observed.
0: Once she's observed, she's real. Yep. The problem has been that no one has seen her.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: And now she's seen.
1: Oh, I love her. Her and Winnie is great.
0: I know. It's so lovely. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Stories told in this episode... Emmett, in his confession, tells so many stories. He tells the story of how his dad died. He said he played tennis. Ray? My dad. He played tennis. I was throwing a ball against the side of the house. Ray's in the kitchen. He was always eating. and Dad comes out of the car and just dropped dead. I killed him. Your dad? Ray. Yeah. The story that we've heard through the whole season of how the stamp in the Corvette and he tells that whole story, admits his responsibility for Mm -hmm. it, but also it's important in that story that in that moment that Gloria uh, first of all it's important in that moment that still Emmett isn't being understood Mm -hmm. but it's also important that Gloria is trying to understand compare her to her superiors who don't understand and don't try she doesn't understand at first. But she tries to.
1: Yeah, that's
0: true. And that's the difference. Mm-hmm. Other stories told. Gloria tells uh, Emmett, I got married straight out of high school. Last year, my husband tells me he has a boyfriend named Dale. You think the world is something then it turns out to be something else. Mm-hmm.
1: I, said, I said that earlier.
0: Yeah. Yep. And she also tells Winnie the story of the planet Y. And her interpretation of that story that we saw like when in episode three I think mm-hmm. her interpretation of that story is that the android keeps saying he can help, but he never does,
1: but he does
0: but she her reading of the story is that he doesn't that's interesting she doesn't recognize that observing is helping mm-hmm and that's how she feels there's coincidences in this episode in the fact that when Nikki and Varga are meeting, everyone is dressed like Varga. Yeah. Now that's not a coincidence. No, it's not. Because he's manipulating things, but mm-hmm. it functions as a coincidence. Yeah. Um,
1: and I I thought, like, when I watched that, I thought, man, would it be easy to get people to do that? Because you tell them it's like, you know, it's an improv everywhere. Yeah. We're all just going to dress like this and sit in the hotel lobby. It'll be funny.
0: Yeah. You know? How easy would that be? Totally. And Emmett just calls Ray's death one of those what-are-the-chances things. Mm-hmm. So he uh, makes text what we've already said that, like, yeah. what are the chances of that yeah, hitting of that. his neck. Yeah. And bleeding out. We have bodily fluids again, Varga eating. Oh, yuck. Yeah, that's, that's super gross. His mouth open, and the camera goes into his mouth. Mm-hmm. Um... Partly because Varga's is all about consuming and partly because... And consuming is very bodily in this season. hmm And also partly because Varga is eating the whole show. Yeah. Like, he's consuming everything. Yeah. We have a connection to Russia when Winnie orders a Moscow mule. Oh, yeah. At the bar. And make and it, it order, <laughs> Which yeah. I guess means strong. <laughs> I don't even know what is in a Moscow mule. Do you no, do? I didn't look it up. Let's have Moscow Mules next time we right. go to the liquor store. Sounds good. To buy supplies. <laughs>
2: <laughs> supplies.
0: And then the scene when they start murdering other Stussies. hmm The music is a hora, which is a Jewish folk form. Mm. So they're playing Jewish music like the classical version of this a Jewish folk form.
1: is the episode that won an Emmy for music. Ray R- Jeff Russo won the Emmy for music. So that would be the music he won the Emmy for.
0: Yep. Do you have anything else about this episode?
1: No, I'd like to move on to the next one.
0: <laughs> okay. Oh, there is a connection to season two in this episode, just in blood and milk. When mm. Murray, oh,
1: right. Yes, I made a note of that as well. When
0: Murray Stussy is killed, it's like when the judge is killed in the wall. Yes. House. It's the it's the white and the blood that is always combined in the show. Yep. Yeah. And we also have Gloria and Nathan sharing burgers, just like Gus shares burgers mm, with, with his, his daughter. daughter, whose name is... I don't know, but they... I can't remember. But the police officer, single-parent police officer, sharing burgers with her child yeah, is a callback to season one. Absolutely.
1: So episode 10 is called Somebody to Love... Gloria almost resigns, but then gets a call from the IRS, where Nikki has sent the information on the Corp. Emmett is forced out of his company, and Nikki stages an attack on Varga's men, where all die except Varga. Nikki tries to kill Emmett, but ends up shooting a state trooper, and at the same time she is killed. Five years later, Emmett is happy and and has lived, only to be shot by Mr. Wrench. Gloria, now working at Homeland Security, finally confronts Varga, but we are left not knowing what the future will be.
0: The title, uh, Somebody to Love, is a Queen song? Yep. (laughs) I don't know why Somebody to Love. One possible answer is, how does that song go? Can Can anybody find me? And then Varga disappears. Can anybody find him? Hmm. Um,
1: can anybody find Gloria? She's invisible, except she's now not.
0: Can anybody find Nikki? They're all worried about where's Nikki.
1: yeah,
0: uh, Emmett is worried about where's Nikki, and Varga... Yep. ...doesn't know, and... So, also, I just think... Nikki, by this episode, has learned sign language. Isn't it nice I that know. Wrench has somebody to love?
1: Aww. Yep.
0: You know, I don't think there's a romantic subtext, but, like, yep. somebody to... Communicate with. Communicate with. Yep. Um, that's about all I can make of that title. Mm-hmm. want to say, before we move on into the episode at all, that the This is a True Story part... In this episode. Yeah,
1: with the typewritten notes.
0: First, it's handwritten. Ah. This is a true story. Is handwritten among the papers that Emmett is signing. Mm-hmm. Then uh, the events depicted took place in Minnesota is yeah. typed by Gloria among her resignation letter. hmm And then uh, at the request of the survivors is typewritten by LaRue Dollard of the IRS and among his his notes. And then the rest is, out of respect for the dead, the rest is sitting on the sheriff's desk when she puts down her resignation Mm. letter on top of it. Yeah. So it's all in parts. It's all in parts and it's all scattered throughout different characters and it's all, again, like it's, we talk about about bodies in this episode Mm. and that... Digital text superimposed over the the image is now a physical, physical piece of yeah, paper. Yeah, because it's bodily present. I mean, that, as bodily as words can be, mm-hmm. it's the word version of being bodily present in the episode.
1: Yeah. So Varga says, "Food knows its food," to Emmett, and that is like he has been eating this entire season, and now he's going to eat Emmett. Him and Mimo share a look with each other that, like, Mimo kind of knows he's food in that moment.
0: Knows that he is? Yeah. I didn't read that.
1: I felt like they shared a look that was, like, that you could interpret as Emmett's the food, but you could also interpret it as Mimo isn't safe and, like, later on he won't be.
0: Hmm, I did not read that into the look. I read that look as... uh Mimo and Varga both know that Emmet is food. Yeah, but I see what you're, where you're going. Hmm. You really emphasized that line. Really, again, draws the connection of Varga as a predator. Yeah, absolutely. The what we've seen since season one of like uh, applying animal ethics onto human behavior. Hmm. What about Emmet? is rushing out uh, to the car and he's got the stamp on him on his head on his head and he sees it and just throws it away
1: yeah because it doesn't matter anymore
0: it doesn't matter anymore because the stamp really was always about Ray yep it was always about that rivalry and he recognizes it in his confession Mm mhm uh and he doesn't care about that anymore and it doesn't matter anymore absolutely it's really good in terms of Gloria's invisibility, her phone works now. hmm She can talk on the phone. But there's a, that scene where she, uh, near the end when Nikki and the state trooper are both dead and she stands there and the world all moves around her and she doesn't move. Yeah. So maybe that means that now she's the one who's real. Hmm. The rest of the world has become less real. Yeah. She's the one that's solid. Or maybe she's... like We've talked about observing is what makes things real. Observing is helping. Hmm. And she's here as she has been, standing there observing everything. Mm-hmm. She's, observing the unobserved, yeah. she's the unobserved observer. Still.
1: Mm-hmm. She is the robot. She's the I can help.
0: Yeah. Hmm. We have a story told, stories told. Uh, I only recognized one story. Uh, there may have been others that I didn't catch, but I don't think so. And that's Varga talking to Emmett. He says, in the old days, only the strong could be rich. How much you could carry. This is when Emmett has him at gunpoint. Right. He says, but then the Medicis invented banks and pornography. And progress... I'm skipping some of his things. Yep. And progress led to safety. Safety like how a gun might have a fingerprint scanner on the trigger so that only the person whose gun it is can pull the trigger. Yeah. Is that true? No. Yeah, I agree with you.
1: I don't think so at all. I think he's just tricking him.
0: I think he's just, I mean, just again, delaying. perception of reality becomes reality.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: He, t- he tells a good enough, strong enough story that it keeps him from doing it. But yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. There's not a fingerprint scanner on this yeah. gun.
1: There's the stories. There's the story at the very end, and maybe we should save that to the end. But mm-hmm. they each, Gloria and Varga, each tell each other the story of what's going to happen.
0: That's very true. We should save that to the end. Yeah. When uh, Nikki gets Emmett on the road, when Nikki. Um, Finally catches up to Emmett. Mm-hmm. Emmett says, I didn't mean to. Yeah. He al- he...
1: Oh, he. comes within a hair's breadth of saying, I'm the victim here.
0: He does. Yeah. He's backed away from the moral growth that he made in episode nine. Yeah,
1: absolutely. He also says,
0: I didn't mean to. And there's a connection there to season two. And if Bear was here, he would say, doesn't matter yeah. what you mean.
1: Doesn't matter what you
2: mean.
0: <laughs> Only matters what you do. That's still true here in episode three, Mm -hmm. here in season Season three. three. Nikki kills the state trooper who, in connection to season two, is wearing a uniform that we recognize as Lou's uniform. Yeah, absolutely. And she, and he kills her, but Mm -hmm. like, he represent, he is uh, symbolically connected to Lou because he's wearing the same uniform. He's a state trooper, yeah. And Nikki never gets to say, though thou exalt thyself like the eagle.
1: She does. She says it for She Ray. starts
0: to, and yeah. then a cop comes up and she has to stop. Right. And she doesn't kill him. Right. So does that mean that God's vengeance is unfulfilled?
1: Yeah, because Mr. Wrench fulfills it. Mm-hmm. That's why Mr. Wrench kills him, I think, is because he's continuing her mission. He has to be... They wanted to... In the bowling alley, they were like, we weren't sure if he should be here, but then he had to be because he was the next instrument right. of the vengeance of vengeance on Emmett. Yeah. That's my Wh- theory.
0: <laughs> and why does it take him five years?
1: That is a good question.
0: And why, like...
1: What was he doing for those five years? Who knows? What was he doing for the five years between season one and season three?
0: Yeah. Who, Who knows? knows? And what is it? So many questions. Because, mm-hmm. like... If God's vengeance is unfulfilled in that moment, which I think it is, um, and I think that's symbolized by the fact that she starts to say it and can't finish it. Yeah. What does it mean that coincidence can derail God's plan? Yeah. You know, we've had coincidence throughout this whole season, and here we have a coincidence of the cop driving up.
1: And the coincidence of them shooting shooting each other at the exact same moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that coincidence is coincidence in this universe is more powerful than, you know, the God's plan of vengeance. Mm-hmm. This is the episode where Gloria says there's a violence in knowing the world isn't what you thought. Right. For now, know that something. sometimes the world doesn't make a lot of sense, but how we get through it is we stick together. Hmm. I feel like that also could be a thesis statement for the entire show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Feet.
0: Gloria, when she's a DS Department of Homeland Security agent, the camera focuses on her feet as she mm. walks down the hall. She's yeah. wearing these boots, and we don't know it's her, mm-hmm. but we see her feet. And again... Because the way she's interacting with the world has changed. She's now interacting with the world as a more, like, she's gone up in the world. We said she was on a downward spiral. Yeah, now she's gone up. She's gone up instead. And by the way, I love that she is a Department of Homeland Security. Yeah, absolutely. She deserves to be a federal agent because she's competent and great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um...
1: There's also, uh, when Nikki and the cop die, we go from his head down to his shoes, and then from her shoes up to her head, we
0: really see their bodies fully laid out on the road. Yes. And I think that is about... I didn't include that because I didn't think that was as much about feed as it was about we see their whole bodies. Mm -hmm. Like, it's...
1: It's both, yeah.
0: Yeah, I suppose it is. Their bodies are important. Mm -hmm. Bodies are important in this season. Yeah. They're not just dead, their whole body is dead. They yeah. are a body on the road. Um The connection to Russia in this episode is at the end, Varga says to Gloria, Are you familiar with the Russian saying the past is unpredictable? Gloria says, I'm pretty sure you made that up. Yeah. Varga says, possibly.
2: Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love
1: that. he just made it up. <laughs>
0: That was one of the moments when I, like, roared with laughter watching it. You were like, are you watching Fargo right now? Yeah. (laughs) And the final piano piece that he starts humming, Mm. and then the music takes over, is Bach's Appassionata, which is, I mean, not Bach. is Beethoven's Appassionata, which is the piece that Lenin said made him Mm. want to pat people on the head when it's better to beat them. Right. He starts humming it. Hmm. when the camera fades out on him.
1: Yeah. Can we just go back to Ruby Goldber- Farb? Ruby yep. Goldfarb? Um, we barely mentioned her throughout this, but was she working for Varga all along? I was really confused. Yeah. So what was the point of her?
0: The point of her was...
1: She got to buy their business?
0: She got to buy their business. She was... Varga's scheme from an economic perspective mm-hmm. was to put tons of loans on the business, mm-hmm. then make it be loaded with debt so it can't survive anymore, then sell it off and pocket all the money himself. Right. So he needed to sell it off. But uh, it they owned a lot of actual land. Right. So he sold the land to the Widow Goldfarb, who doesn't own Stussy limited mm-hmm. the business that is now laden with debt but she does own their building and their lots right. and all their things for a really cheap for amount really of money cheap price. and she is in league with varga because they kept uh sai kept wanting to like sell to her so that we get out of this situation but if they had managed to sell to her earlier on it wouldn't have helped them because she is in league with Varga. Right. So she was, as he says, like she's a uh, fire door that leads to another fire. Mm. She's a fake escape hatch. Right. And he never actually made it through the escape hatch. Mm-hmm. But if he had, it wouldn't yeah, have been wouldn't an have been escape, escape. Because Varga has got this planned already. Right. I also just... Uh, The when Emmett says he's gonna go get the salad and it's a big bowl of jello
1: it's a jello bowl yeah
0: that's not a salad it's a salad Minnesota Paul. it's not a salad (laughs) we don't need to get into this okay that last do I would like all I have left to say is about that very last scene yeah let's talk about no
1: I think let's just talk about that last I mean Mr. Wrench survives that's kind of cool that's kind of interesting I think we could talk about that more next week or next time yeah, But let's talk about that last scene. Okay, so we have Varga and we have Gloria and they each tell a story that of what's gonna happen next. And Gloria's story is you go to Rikers prison for conspiracy to commit murder and tax fraud, and I go to the state fair with my son. Mm-hmm. And he's and Varga says, I think someone who has more than more authority than you is gonna come in and say, I get to go free.
0: A man you can't argue with. A man is what you he can't says. argue with, exactly.
1: <sighs> oh, jerk. Um, and then we just watch the clock tick, and we don't
0: get to find out. And their conversation before that, let's let's come to that, but mm-hmm. their conversation before that is also about stories. Yeah. About stories and what's true and what isn't. Um, Varga says, which of us can say what really occurred? And Gloria yeah. says, people are dead. Those are facts. Yep. That's Uh, just
1: like Lou being like, People are dead, Peggy.
0: Exactly. And it's and Varga is not Peggy. Yep. Varga says, you know, people are dead, those are facts. There's a man who killed a bunch of different who had a grudge against Stussies. Yeah. And Gloria says, That didn't happen. And Varga says It was
2: convicted. Evidence
0: is collected and a guilty verdict is delivered, then its happening becomes as the rock. And to argue against it is to argue against reality itself. Mm-hmm. Exactly like Berlin 1988. Yeah. If that didn't happen, then the state is wrong. Yep. Yeah. Are you saying, Gloria, the agent of Department of Homeland Security, are you saying that the state is wrong? Yep. Yeah. And she <sighs> can't even, Gloria, like, and in terms of the world... Of America in 2017, when this mm-hmm. is being seen, when this is being aired, we've really, uh, I think, come to a place in the world where it is more apparent than it ever has been that the state decides what's true. Mm-hmm. Putin got to edit out uh, things in uh, the Russian version of Fargo, but the state also gets to decide what's fake news. Yep. In America, that's not only Russia. Yeah. And in, if this evidence is collected and a guilty verdict is delivered, then don't argue that it didn't happen. Yep. It happened because the state has decided state it died. did. He also, Varga, makes an argument that Emmett's death... He <laughs> Varga, when he hears that Emmett is dead... He says, Emmett's death is more tragic than the death of a wastrel because humans only have value because of their money. Yep. Gloria says, you can't believe that. And Vargo says, it's true whether I believe it or not. Yeah. So again... Oh,
1: it's depressing. Oh, it's so depressing because it's true.
0: It's depressing because it's true. And it's also... Like, we could talk about that, whether a human being has value, and maybe we should spend a lot of time talking about that. But what I want to focus on first is... Varga, who just said that reality is only reality when the state decides it is, now says the truth is the truth whether I believe it or not.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. He's so all over the place.
0: (laughs) And what is truth? Once more, this episode... Mm -hmm. I mean, once more, this season is, like, what's true? Yep. What's true? Who knows? Who knows? And the very end... After Gloria and Varga have both told their stories of what's going to happen, Varga says, "Trust me. The future is certain, and when it comes, you will know your place in the world."
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's the like absolutely. He's absolutely correct. Yeah. That when the future comes, Gloria will know her place in the world. Yeah. And that's the stakes for good or for ill. That's the stakes that we don't get to find out the answer to. It's mm-hmm. not just about whether... Uh, I mean, it's about whether crimes have consequences, whether justice is real, mm-hmm. whether a rich man's value is greater than a poor man's, because if it is, he doesn't have to stand trial for his crimes. Yeah. It's also about Gloria and whether she has a place in this world. Yeah. Whether she, it's possible for her to redeem the world and turn it back into the place that she thought it was.
1: Yep. So what do you think happens?
0: I think the show ends. Yeah, I know. I know. I think we have seen a lot in this show of Gloria, of confident men telling Gloria that she doesn't understand and then being proved wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we have here.
2: Yeah,
0: I think Varga. I think Varga doesn't believe Gloria's story, just like no one has ever believed Gloria's stories. Mm-hmm. But Gloria's stories have always been right this season.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: She does understand the world. She understands it better than the men who are telling her she doesn't understand the world. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think. That's where I pin my hope on the end of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> how about you
1: i'm i'm hopeful for those reasons and for the reason of it makes no sense but <laughs> she talks about the state fair and she talks all about what's going to happen at the state fair with her son and in season 1 gus and molly talk about a state fair and talk about similar things maybe even the same things i'm not sure and that's the moment that's the in the moments before it goes to one year later In season one, Gus and Molly are talking about the fair, and then it jumps ahead a year, and Gus and Molly are happy and have good things have happened. And so I feel like talking about the state fair is a sign to us that things are going to go well for Gloria. And coupled with that, Varga fades to black first. Mm -hmm. They have this weird, like, the stage lighting, like it's a play, and he fades to black and she doesn't. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that's a sign to us that, like, Varga fades to black. Var- Varga's wrong. He's not long for this world.
0: Or it's a sign that he has faded away, through slipped through her fingertips.
1: That is also possible.
0: I Having said that I have a hopeful reading of the end, I want to really insist. You, you said, yeah, but what do you think really happens? And I want to really insist, actually, yep. that what happens is... They deny us the conclusion. Yeah. That's, I mean... There's no
1: really happened.
0: There's no really happened. Absolutely. It's not like they just forgot to keep filming another five minutes. Yeah. It's left ambiguous. It's not mysterious. It's ambiguous. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? And there's a difference because this whole season has been about what our stories, what are true, Mm -hmm. and we end with. Out being able to know what really happened because if we did it would still just be a story yeah, and the story that I just told and that you just told are also just stories just stories and what's the true story well, this season has been shouting to us all along that there isn't one yeah, and so there isn't one so there isn't one and I saw a lot of complaining about this uh oh, yeah, this ending I
1: Well, people always get, like, this is the Sopranos, this is the end of Inception, this is the end of, like, you know, anything that ends ambiguously, people get really mad at.
0: But I think, I feel like, uh, sometimes that ambiguous ending isn't earned, Mm -hmm. and I think it is rarely as solidly earned as it is in this season. Yeah, I think a, uh unambiguous ending wouldn't be earned in this season mm. this season that's all about how the truth is unknowable and unknown and depends on your perspective and yep. stories can't be relied on and there's no such thing as a true story if that season ended with and gloria was right and they escort him off to brit no yeah that would that would be the unsatisfying that ending. would be unsatisfying you're right uh, so i can believe that gloria is right but i'm glad that they didn't tell me she was mm-hmm. right don't have any summing up thoughts Final about thoughts? the whole season
1: um as you you mentioned to me before before we watched this season again that in terms of the filming there's no blue right. they took the blue filter out and it makes for a very odd you know visually it's so different than anything you see Especially these days, it feels like a lot of things, especially maybe like 10 years ago, a lot of things are filmed with very heavy blue. Mm -hmm. So like, the trees aren't green. No. Even you can imagine that they're green, but watching it, you go, they're not actually green. It's like it's sepia-toned. And the sky is never blue. It's kind of white the whole time. Yeah. Even with these beautiful landscape, prairie sky scenes... The sky doesn't get to be blue. No. And it's it's very unreal feeling and, and that makes that adds to the whole like true story not true story.
0: It makes the whole world seem kind of dirty. Yeah, very dirty. Yeah. And it makes and it's the kind of thing yeah, I didn't notice till I saw an interview with Noah Hawley that said this. Because yeah. your brain color is all about uh, perception. Yep. Yeah. And color is all about uh, comparison. So you read the trees as green because you expect them to be green and because they're greener than anything else that you see Mm -hmm. when everything when there's no blue in anything well your mind just adds the blue in your memory
1: exactly when you
0: watch it there's no blue in the whole season nope and it is visually distinctive and it is like perception yep uh controls the world i have a bunch of notes that i made about this season but i think we basically have covered all of them except Before we end, do we want to return at all and have any final thoughts about why this season is so bodily? Why is there so much body in this episode? In this season. I keep saying episode because it's our episode. Why is there so much body in this season?
1: I don't know. Because it's all about reality and truth and maybe the only truth is what we can touch. Yeah. Maybe that's what it's trying to say, is the only reality is the physical. Mm-hmm. The only reality we can trust is what we can actually physically interact with.
0: Which, I said that this is a very different philosophical position from existentialism, mm-hmm. but actually that's the same philosophical position as existentialism. Mm. Bodies are real, the meaning that you attach to the things are not real. Like, there's a bunch of blood on the ground. That doesn't mean suffering or life energy or the rivalry between brothers. It just means a bunch of blood. Yeah. That's existentialism. Existentialism is we can recreate that meaning. Nihilism means it means nothing. Yeah. But so we have this real emphasis on bodies, maybe is the next step after the existentialism of the mm. second season where, yeah. like, what does have meaning? Mouths and Piss and blood and poop, poop. And, yep, and like yep. We're just sacks of meat walking around, full of blood. Yeah, exactly. Dropping out, disgusting things. <laughs> <laughs> we sure are. <laughs> so on that cheerful on note on that cheerful
1: note, I think that's that's that wraps us up. We're going to do in two weeks. We'll air another episode about uh, our thoughts on the whole season as a whole. We'll do kind of a wrap up the show as a whole. The show as a whole kind of a wrap up on what the connections between all three seasons and some, some thoughts on those. It won't be as long as this, no. but it could be, who knows? I don't think so. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you want to talk to us more about Fargo, we want to hear your thoughts. We'll air some of your thoughts on our concluding episode. So if uh, you want to tweet to us uh, at Clockworkscast cast, or give us an email, give us your longer thoughts, anything you think about for Fargo, clockworkscast at gmail.com thanks extra special much to our Patreons who supported us and made this uh, these extra episodes possible um, you can support us too if you're listening to this by donating at patreon.com slash clockworkscast you get some cool extra bonus things for doing that mm-hmm. and uh yeah thanks for listening what do you have to say?
0: I think you've said it all I've been Paul Moffat I've been Jan Moffat mm-hmm. goodbye It's hard to be humble.